Wrestling Warzone. Connection. Welcome into Wrestling Warzone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I am JT. Joining me as ever is my partner, Chad. Chad Lee, how are you? Doing good. Uh, last podcast of the year for us. Yeah. Another year in the books. Thank you to everyone that watched or listened. Yeah. Uh, any big time Christmas uh, podcast memories? <laughs> Uh, I can tell you one of mine. I can tell you every year is the uh, Place to Be podcast Christmas extravaganza uh, that drops Christmas Eve on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed. I'll plug that because it is a labor of love, my friend. Uh, it's a lot of work, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Now, the uh, the most memorable thing is uh, frantically uploading a good old Will and Lars Fredrickson podcast on Christmas morning uh, to the old PWO feed. Uh, that go. was a good one. Also, the infamous Will CM Punk podcast was supposed to drop on Christmas that that same day. So, big uh, big year, twenty thirteen, ten year anniversary of that. So. The, the everything twenty thirteen was a big year around here for sure. Definitely big year for uh, me and my buddy Lars. But yeah, uh, yeah it's. Uh, a lot going on. It's always an exciting time of year. Like you said, it's our final one. We've we've covered a lot of ground in this calendar year. Where where were we? Do you, do you recall what episode? Uh, we were at when we started this. this oh year. no, I, I know like ninety six or so. I think it's one of the first ones. Ninety four, ninety six were the first ones on video. So around that yeah, time, yeah. we can probably so. look back and see. But um, anyway, we have uh, really traversed a lot of ground, and we're finally in the thick of it right now. We're in the middle of the real Monday Night Wars uh, in 1997 here. <clears throat> and this is a really big episode. So we have the follow-up to Super Brawl, um, yeah. which is a lot's going on in WCW. And this is a very famous episode of Monday Night Raw that we're going to cover tonight. Not only is it pretty much the last um, really kind of old school Raw, I would say, uh, it's also um, very infamous for a certain invasion that takes place during the night. So, and it's also in the Manhattan Center. So it's definitely a memorable one. Um, and really kind of, again, I think it's cool that they went back there. We'll talk about it later, but it's cool they went back there to kind of end the old original Raw era, right? That's where it started. It ends there. We got one bridge episode, and then we're off and running into Raw's War. So we're a couple weeks out from that. Yeah. Were you able to uh, locate? Oh, the first one. Yes, I can look it up. Oh. Uh, do you have any uh, news or notes, or do you want to dive right into Nitro here? No, we talked about what we had uh, for Super Bowl. So there wasn't a lot. Uh, we read the torch, but it was mostly Super Bowl related, and then kind of had to recap of Raw, or I mean of Nitro, so we can just go right into it. All right, I found the episode. It's episode ninety-four. Yeah. Do you want to take a guess the the week uh, that we were in? It's, uh... it's a lot later in the year than I thought. I'll say. Oh that. yeah, it, you you think like it's a while, but you know, probably we probably done 24, 25 episodes. It's really not that much. I'm gonna guess like uh, November nineteenth. Almost. It was a week after that, so mm -hmm. you, you were on it right there. Yeah, I, I I seem to remember our last episode for the year. I thought was uh, Survivor Series. Yeah, so I remember us talking about that. Like, oh, yeah, well, November twenty fifth. Yeah, so that's our first one. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, I would have said like July, <laughs> July. 9th. Oh yeah, no, come on, man. My sense of time is completely warped. Yeah, no. um, but. Now no, every no. other every other week, and we've been pretty consistent this year. Yeah. I mean, we did miss last last rotation but yeah yeah we made up a lot of ground for sure uh yeah. and here we are all right so why don't we go ahead and start with nitro um tonight we're going to start there and then we'll do raw next it is february 24th 1997 chad yep. we're in sacramento, sacramento. and uh <laughs> 
a lot going on. Um, so what what uh where do we start off with here? Straight up with the cold open. They seem to be changing to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, get that more often than the animation these days. Uh, Tony lets us know, says, we always get right to the action on this show, so I don't know. All right. Uh, and it does. Their opening contest is Public Enemy versus the New Horseman team, uh, kind of carrying over from the stipulation of last night's match is a Mongo. Mongo, baby. And, yeah, baby. Uh, uh, so, a pretty interesting match on paper. We get some steals from Public Enemy winning the uh, triangle tag team match the night before. So, they're on a little bit of a roll, too. Uh, Tony and Larry talk about how improbable the duo of Mongo and Jared is. Deborah looks happy, uh, but Mongo and Jared are not really paying much attention to each other. Uh, we get some steals from their match, too, when they make their entrance. And then Tony runs down the card tonight, talks about the title changes that happened the night before, really setting the table for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentions that Hogan retained the title, but the real startling news was that Randy Savage helped him. So, you know, he lets us know that big development right away if you didn't watch the pay-per-view. Uh, so we get to the match itself. Mongo and Rocco Rock start out. Mongo shows Rock down, gets a face pop from that. Jared and Grunge come in quickly. They do some pretty good wrestling, actually. Grunge hits a swinging neck breaker and has a very nice punch. It's uh, uh, Johnny Grunge is usually not the most fluid wrestler in the world. <laughs> no, definitely not. Sequences that you'll see him do here. Uh, Jarrett misses a charge in the corner. Rock gets hit by Mongo on the apron. The horsemen take over, do some double team moves, like a drop toe hole, leg drop combo. Um, Jarrett does his uh, leg drop over the ropes and does the Fargo strut. Debra tossed to the camera and uh, like Larry's drowning her out by comedy. <laughs> Cody says, well, I did want to hear what she had to say. And I got to tell you, Larry, she, she's a lot better looking than you <laughs> put the ass there. Already, Tony. Yeah. Uh, Mongo clips the knee of Rocco Rock. They're, you know, they're working well together and they mentioned it on, on commentary. And then Jarrett hits the powerbomb where Johnny Grudge has to make the save, and we see the Halliburton get brought in. Deborah hands it to Mongo. He takes a long look and then absolutely creams Jarrett on the back uh, to a big pop from the crowd, and Rocco Rock pins him. So uh, they kind of steal the victory there. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, a pretty fun match. Uh, I I thought, like, the double team with the horsemen working together, I thought worked well. like I said, Mongo, Grunge, a couple guys that at points aren't the most graceful wrestlers in the world look pretty good and smooth here. I um, mean, this told a good story. I thought this told like a nice like five-minute story. Public Enemy is able to still pin, but at least from their standpoint, they can say, hey, we, you know, we gained another victory. You know, I mean, they don't care. And then, um, and, and I thought this showed like a nice contrast too with Public Enemy, like trying not to use violence and the tables and doing – more straight wrestling, uh, which would help. So, um, overall, I thought this was a pretty fun opener, two and three quarters. All right. Yeah, I went two stars on it. It, w- it was good. Um, Tony, right out of the gate, says there's currently five horsemen. So, he calls it right out. Like, we're operating here a little little over capacity in the, in the four horsemen, but we had a lot going on. Uh, Rock a Rock is now bald. I can't remember if we've talked about that yet yeah. or not, but it's uh, quite the change and look for him. Um, yeah, a lot of, you know, Jared Mongo kind of don't acknowledge each other earlier as they're coming down. Then they do some of the double team stuff. And then I like the finish as well, where Mongo just takes it, whacks him. Um, and basically it's a receipt, right? So he's kind of testing him a little bit, but it's also a little bit of a, you know, I owe you one. 
Yeah. Um, Mongo just not happy at all with everything going on. So uh, two stars for me. And that brings us right into uh, early on this tonight, mm-hmm. our uh, horseman visits. Yeah, this is uh, real early for the horseman promo. Uh, but Flair and Arn come out. Deborah's pissed at Mongo. Deborah calls Steve a 280-pound child, which was pretty funny. <laughs> I'll come through. Uh, Mongo says everyone saw what he did to him, and he got the one, two, three, and now he's welcoming him into the Horseman family proper. If you have brothers, you slap them around a little bit and take back what they took from you. Uh, Jarrett's kind of back up and recovered from the Halliburton shot, so he's heated. Flair's kind of trying to be the peacemaker. He talks down Mongo. He says, you get one time, brother. Jarrett Mongo, listen up. I told the wrestling world that if the kid was fortunate enough to get his hand raised, he was in. You're Mongo, you're all pro, but you're a horseman and we need team players. For 11 years, we earned that respect. Flair says the task is showing everyone why we're still the symbol of excellence. Uh, Arn takes over, says, yo, you don't get it. Dungeon, NWO, Giant, and Luger are all getting stronger. Flair's not well. I'm hurting. Benoit may never be back. You're the only two healthy members. And uh, Arn kind of demands that Mongo and Jarrett shake each other's hand. Gene, while this is going on, desperately is trying to wrap it up. (laughs) We got to go. Mongo extends his hand. Flair says to put it there, Jeff. I put, you know. I went out on a limb for you once, so do the right thing. Jeff does it, and Orange says you earned the right to be a horseman. Now show the world. So I, I like this as a mm-hmm. promo. Again, it's Orange and Flair kind of being the elder statesman here, right. um, trying to get a united front together for the horsemen. But I thought uh, Orange's promo in particular was sound logically and talking mm-hmm. about how all the other factions, I don't know about the Dungeon of Doom, but, you know, he threw that in he threw that in there, but uh, at least well, Jackie, Jackie's added a lot to the dungeon. Jackie's a taskmaster, but uh, but certainly with NWO and with John and Luger, it made sense that they'd want to be a united front. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was good too. Um, and it kind of feels like the end of a chapter in some ways. Like we're we're finally yeah. moving past the Jarrett Mongo. Like Jarrett won the match. He got in the Horseman Mongo. Hit him with the briefcase. Got his receipt, and now he's like. The, the big brother thing was pretty good, right? It's like, I'm going to, uh, I may fuck with you, but no one else is going to, and I promise, you know, he promises everyone that no one will mess with Jarrett while he's around. So I think it's a good way to kind of move to the next phase where the horsemen do need to strengthen up. It's kind of a good state of the union too. I mean, Aaron's basically saying, I'm not well, <laughs> like Flair, we know Flair isn't well. Yeah. Um, and we saw the shit kicking Benoit took it at mm-hmm. Super Bowl. So like, we're, we're all down bad. We're on the super right now with the horsemen. So we definitely need everyone to, to pull together. So I, I thought that was well done. Um, you know, we'll continue to get, get the updates and see when who's coming back when. But for right now, it's Mongo and Jarrett standing tall for the horsemen. And um, I liked a uh, serious flair. Like, I like that he wasn't yeah. acting like Jerry Seinfeld while Arn's trying to be serious. Like, he was, they're all finally like, listen, like, enough shit. We're going to get get going here. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's been better the last few weeks. He, yeah. uh, had that weird stretch right after he got injured. Where he's all over the place. Um, like I'm thinking maybe he's getting closer to coming back, so he's probably checking back in mentally a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, it's much better than what he was doing because yeah. before, like him being so nonchalant, it just made no sense. Uh, Larry Tony kind of gave us a quick reset. I didn't really have any notes. No, not there. There. okay. Our next match debut Galaxy. <laughs> Uh, who's Damien Damien666 versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Galaxy throws down the USA flag. 
uh, on commentary there, spent a lot of time talking about the Macho Man situation. Tony talked mm-hmm. about how Macho said he was blackballed and that kind of sit-in promo, and uh, he kind of throws out the uh, the hypothesis that Eric gave him an avenue to join the NWO and right. be able to come back, which I thought was good um, to make sense. His um, soul can be bought. Nobody can be trusted. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so Doug and Queen's house, Galaxy regroups on the outside. Doug gives them some big forearms, posts them, slamming on the floor. Uh, they keep putting over on commentary too that Piper put Hogan asleep again. Galaxy gets a very brief moment on offense, but misses a moonsault, three point stance, clothesline, and then the uh, tape fist ends what essentially is a squash. And uh, Duggan, as he's pinning him, screams out Hogan. Hogan. What a lot. Uh, we'll get to it. Like, actually, as a as a uh, as a squash, I thought it was uh, pretty energetic. Actually, um, I, I thought Duggan was pretty stiff. Like, better better than usual. He has an annoying finish, but um, I, I went two stars. I thought I thought this was a a a, a good squash. Um, we'll get with the promo because I got I got I got some thoughts on that, but we'll get there. Snow falling in Georgia this December. It seems like uh, I went one star on this. Um, it was fine. Tony says Mitch Richmond is in the house, so he calls that out. Uh, yeah, a lot of talk about Savage, which I thought was good. Duggan with the WCW Purple. Um, yeah, and a lot about Savage and was a dead end, and his only way was to join him, right, And and you know, instead yeah. of beating him. I'll be curious because I feel like the groundwork in that story was really good if it's the way they were going, but I want to see if his attitude says that because to me, his attitude should be one that's forced that he's kind of pissed off, but I feel like that's not the way to go. He seems like happy to be there. So I, I don't know. We'll see how that, that story plays out, but you know, Tony makes sure that we all find out that Piper had the, the title one mm-hmm. until Savage um, put his feet under the ropes and, and kept things moving. So yeah, energetic squash. I mean, Duggan's always fine in this setting where he's just beating the piss out of someone for a few minutes. Like, you know, he always kind of brings the energy where he really sucks is when he's in there with, a guy like Wall Street or whoever. It's, yeah. it's just like edges on six or seven minutes. Yeah. So uh, Duggan does a promo with Gene. Said Savage sock, shocked the socks off of him. Says first it was Terry. And Gene Terry. Says you made Hollywood Hogan. And now the macho man. What's wrong with you people? Have you forgotten about Make-A-Wish, the Special Olympics? Uh, it says the NWO has all the money and power in the world, but their hearts are black. Not everyone is going to hide. Duggan will stand and fight, not quit and waver. He calls out Hogan and Savage. He says to not send any of those jabronis in the back. Mentions Bubba getting laid out. Um, and he's coming by kicking down the front door. He won't, you know, sneak up from behind and he will beat them up. Tough guy. Ho. Now, I... You know, I don't remember that this leads to anything, so I'm not going to critique this until that becomes certain and we put it in dropped angles. As a, you know, as as a viewer just watching this is like, this is the first week all of a sudden Duggan's calling out Hogan and Savage. Right. Well, how does he care all of a sudden? I I thought like it was okay if it would have led, and I don't think it does. Maybe it does. We'll see, but I don't recall it either. Um, if it leads to Hogan and Savage beating him up and him right. taking like a definitive loss, like that would be good. Yeah. Again, I don't think it goes that way. And, you know, if we get four or five weeks down the road and we have nothing new, right. then I'll say this was stupid in retrospect, which it is. 
But as a first week, like, it was a fine, like, you know, let's charge up the troops promo only for me to get slaughtered. So, yeah, the uh, I like it in the idea that, like, everyone's rallying and standing tall and calling the troops, even though it's, like, ridiculous. Like, I mean, no one's sitting here thinking Duggan's going to battle Hogan for the title, maybe on some random Nitro, but, right, like, he's not going to be a top guy no no matter what. Um, So it's a little goofy in that regard, but, um, but you're right. Like, it should go somewhere. Like, if he's going to say it, and then yeah. he's just going to battle a bunch of jobbers on Saturday night. Like, what's the point? Like, this guy is basically telling WCW, I want to fight for you. So have him do something. Have him come out and with the board during a promo, right? And try and clean house and he gets beaten down. So even something like that would be fine. Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if it goes anywhere. So that's what I, I, I want to keep him eye on that. Right. It's not like it was just him yelling Hogan during the pin. They gave no. him promo time to specifically talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. The promo time, he specifically calls out, like, those two guys. So... I don't remember when he gets sick, too, though. Like, is that coming up in here? So maybe it was something they yeah, had on the maybe, map. And maybe. Then he gets out. You know, I know he's out for a bit. cage match, but yeah. Yeah. That, obviously, that'll excuse. But, but, <laughs> no excuse. He could have laid down as soon as he found out. <laughs> this seemed very out of left field that all of a sudden he's like. I know. Why does he care now? Like, you know. Like, like asking for a title shot uh, or, you know, facing the big dogs. Um we get a uh, Tony lets us know that they're doing an international nitro simulcast online this week. In Japanese, you have mm-hmm. the commentary of Sonny Ono and Ultimo Dragon. And there's also a Spanish broadcast with Pedro Morales and Miguel Alonso. So there you go. Pretty cutting edge. Honestly, I can't imagine doing how that, that stream was. Oh, I mean, it had to be choppy, right? Like, well, I'm, it was only audio, I'm sure. Like, I don't think it was. Um, they're not putting video on the internet in '97 like that live, so no. I, it it definitely had to be an audio. I'm sure it sounded very much like a live broadcast that was like far away. <laughs> like, right. I'm sure it wasn't the best, but it's still pretty cutting edge. I mean, to be running that those alternate broadcasts on the internet, um, you know, doing Japanese is a really smart move, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, and and span it. I think doing those two markets that they're really trying to draw in with using a lot of the wrestlers from, um, you know, kind of cool. Yep. Our next match: Hugh Morris versus Joe Gomez. They always throw out Joe Gomez at like random points. Um, Larry says that Hugh Morris moves like Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, now I don't know if I'd agree with that, and I don't think that's a great thing to say on commentary. That this, you know, oh, it doesn't make him look smart, and it doesn't make Ray look good. No, that doesn't make anybody look good there. So, not a great Larry line there. Uh, Tony says that uh, Jackie Sullivan and Benoit are all in the hospital. Larry hopes it's not the same one, (laughs) kind of a days of thunder situation where they're fighting in the wheelchairs. Um, uh, Harlem Heat versus Luger and the Giants on the docket for tonight. Morris pounds Gomez down the corner. Gomez misses a charge, gets a roll up for one, does the exact same thing again. Uh, but this time he does uh, hang on with an arm drag and an arm bar takeover. Wait, way more. I mean, this is like a three minute match, so there's not a not a ton of time, but Gomez got way more offense than I kind of would have guessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morris hits a sloppy running clothesline and then, uh, Pretty quickly, Morris catches him, drops him down, and hits the no laughing matter to end it. No Jimmy Hart again. I did notice that with Morris. Yeah, he's so completely solo. He's very, he's very like independent. Seems like, um, you know, this. So, so my uh, goodwill for this show takes a blip right here. This, this was uh, kind of a throwaway segment here. I win a star. 
Yeah, I gave it a star as well. It, it's whatever. Um, hard hitting, sloppy. Like you said, Gomez got got more offense than you would expect. He's he's just not good. Um, and Morris gets to win. So running solo. We'll see, see yeah. what's going on there. Uh, NWO denim jacket is for sale. Eighty bucks plus nine ninety five shipping and handling. There you go. Warwick Rhode Island. Warwick Rhode Island is your uh, sh- shipping distribution center. Mm-hmm. Uh, WCW Saturday Night lineup <laughs> not the best Saturday Night lineup either. Faces of Fear versus High Voltage. Public Enemy versus the Amazing French Canadians, and then Chris Jericho, Super Colo, and Scotty Riggs in action. So, yeah, a little shaky. Uh, I mean, Ming, uh, I guess Ming Barbarian and Jericho are your highest stars. So, that, yeah, not great. Uh, Stills of the Benoit and Sullivan match are shown. Tony puts over both as great competitors and uh, evidence of how uh, you can let emotions take you away. Uh-huh. You know, kind of lose lose yourself and emotional. Uh, to our next matchup, this is uh, straight out of uh, WWE <laughs> versus the World Simulation. Well, Parka versus Ice Train. Ice Train coming out with Teddy Long. I I don't know if he did this more tonight, or I hadn't noticed it before. But a lot of Westside uh, <laughs> Ice Train here, which. I mean, maybe he's gotten gang affiliated since the last go, time. Growing up, growing up around this, they time are on the West Coast. School. Yeah. Well, and I mean, being at school deep in the in the south of Alabama and Georgia, like everybody as a kid, West Side, you know, that was a a big big deal, big deal there. I remember in a uh, religion class the next whatever early next year when Biggie got shot and the um the teacher would always ask for like oh anyone anyone want to say a prayer for anyone he's like yeah i want to say a prayer for notorious big who was murdered so we prayed for biggie that day and oh that's nice class. Yes. um now also a random situation as this match gets underway as we get an insert promo from teddy law who has some words for miss jacqueline like what all of a sudden they're affiliated or I, 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 it doesn't make sense. He's like, "Oh, Jackie sacrificing himself for Sullivan was too much," and I, I yeah. you know, he wouldn't do the same for you. You got to get right. out, you know. So yeah, is he trying yeah. to just like protect? You know, I don't know. I mean, there's an angle that WWE does like years later, right, with Teddy, where um, tries to kind of build up his his uh, stable, you know, with a certain angle behind it. Um, I don't know if they were trying to tease that here, maybe, where he's like trying to be involved. But I, I honestly, I hate. WCW Teddy Long. I like WDF Teddy Long later. I hate W. He has been he's been one of the worst pe- people and parts of like anything we've watched. He he looks like a stooge constantly. He never does anything right. He gets blamed. He's always fucking whining. Larry shits on him all the time. Like yeah. he's just he's just a terrible character. Come on, Paul. Uh so yeah, he he says uh, Jackie's making a big mistake. Get out before it's too late. So all right. Big chalk. Exchange power slam from Ice Train to start things off. Parker comes back with an insecurity. Uh, Larry calls Ice Train one of Teddy's best prospects. So there you go. That's his what thing. does he have? Jim Powers? And, does he still have the, the Sarge, uh, Sarge Craig Pittman? Yeah, his only only prospect. Uh, spinning kick from the top for Parker. Train catches. Parker hits another big power slam. Big running charge in the corner for Ice Train. Parker hits a jawbreaker and another spinning kick that's right on the money. Uh, trains on uh, goes to the outside to regroup. Teddy's kind of hiving him up, and Parker comes in with a corkscrew tope to a big ooh from the crowd. Back inside, Train's able to rally, hits a really nice looking clothesline 
uh, scoop slam and then uh, hits the uh, train wreck big splash for the win. So, yeah, I mean, this this was a, a disjointed match. Uh, but again, I mean, this really felt like a video game match. Like there wasn't much flow in between the moves, but it was like, you know, you're on your controller, you're mashing triangle X and then right. Whatever, whatever you can do to make it happen. To get the power slip. So, I mean, I enjoy it. I kind of enjoy these matches where they go in and out. They don't overstay their welcome, which I think is the best thing. Yeah. Um, so I went two and three quarters here. I thought this was fine for what it was. Pretty fun. Yeah. I went two and a half. It, it was it was perfectly good. Tony even calls out the Teddy stuff, and you know, he's got he said things on Saturday night. Like so, yeah. I guess they were going somewhere. I'm confidently piling this on the dropped angles with Duggan very soon, but um, it's odd. Sans are trying to take for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, I think you hit all the, the spots. Uh, Larry warns Teddy not to start a fight with the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> you got no chance, buddy. Uh, don't get involved. The corkscrew plancha look good. Um, I, I like Train. I think he's got potential. He just needs some kind of direction to get away from Teddy. Um, I honestly low-key think he could have been a good NWO guy. Yeah. Like, you, you look at some of these other dudes they got going on, bringing him back and, and building Fire and Ice back up as an NWO heavies. Like maybe Norton recruits him back and is like, "Hey, this guy can go." I think that would have given him something to do and give them a tag team on the lower card. I know we get a Norton tag team soon that I do like as well. Um, but I, I do think Ice Cream could have been a good NWO guy. I don't. I mean, why not? He's not doing anything else. Uh, Long is so washed. He's confusing everything he does. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, uh, two and a half, um, and that's that's despite him. Uh, that's Parker <laughs> just willing it. And and again, Ice Train and Ice Train's got cool music too. I always like this theme song. I know why they do go with Bagwell, but uh, Ice Train would have been an interesting person yeah. in that role. Um, yeah, I think Bagwell as a solo act with them as his muscle could have been fun. Maybe all three of them could have been like a, a little unit, you know, like they yeah. he kind of runs his mouth and they back him up. And um, it is what it gives it would have given him a chance because he doesn't really get a chance to do anything. Yeah, he's um, probably better suited than like Bubba and Wall Street at this yeah. point. Um, right. It is a young guy. They go, oh, they recruited a young talent away, you know, like they're getting in his head or whatever that he can become something. So, um, yeah. Our uh, next match, I've been looking forward to this one. It's Jericho and Eddie Guerrero versus Faces of Fear. Steals of uh, Jericho from Eddie from the night before. Barbarian Jericho starts off right away. Barbarian stalking Jericho. Jericho's having to use his quickness and quick strikes to gain the advantage. Uh, with some like kind of drop kicks and uh, uh, you know, fast maneuver maneuvers. Uh, Eddie gets tagged in, comes in with a dive bar, barbarian lawn darts Eddie up high and kind of sends him down to the mat. Then, uh, they faces of fear really utilize good ring control for this match. So, barbarian puts him in their corner, Ming's in, headbutt by Ming, sends Eddie down, and then hits a huge power bomb. Eddie's able to get a tilt the world head scissor and again hits a quick tag to Jericho. Double back body drop and senton from Jericho. Uh, the contrast is really good. The power versus quickness. Just a, a very interesting dynamic. And also using a lot of good uh, tag team psychology with both double team moves that don't overplay their welcome. So they're not, you know, abusing the count. And then also cutting the ring in half on the hillside. Uh, some really cool stuff. Uh, Barbarian gets a knee in the back as Jericho runs the ropes, another kind of like tag trope, but works here. Ming hits a back suplex, which looked nasty, um, but Jericho kind of right on his neck. And then Barbarian puts Jericho on the top rope, hits a monster belly to belly. Mm -hmm. uh, Jericho. It's always one of the best moves. I love the barb. Yeah, top yeah, rope belly to belly. One, 
This one he may get more air on than mm -hmm. any of the others where Jericho almost hits the diagonal turn. Yeah. He throws him so much. Um, Eddie pulls Jericho's leg over on the bottom rope, kind of a sneaky move that Larry calls out. Quick roll up by Jericho, but he's winded and actually kind of starts going towards the wrong corner. Uh, Jericho gets sent into the corner by accident, hits a top rope and a crossbody flawlessly for two. Uh, but Ming's right back on the attack, choking Jericho and and, and uh, kind of pestering Eddie. Barbarian puts the boots to Jericho when Eddie comes in. Back body drop into the power bomb by Faces of Fear. Eddie has to break up the count again. He's just begging for a tag. And then both of the Faces of Fear hit a second rope diamond headbutt uh, that Eddie has to make the save again. Jimmy's screaming on the outside to do it for Jackie and the Taskmaster. So this this is uh, a tribute to them, I guess. Uh, Jericho's able to hit the line. Salt. Teddy Long out there. But no, no, no. You oh, can't boy. do that. A little much on that. Uh, Jericho hits the line salt with Ming standing up, but it's unable to get the tag. Then he hits an insecurity. Ming misses an elbow. Now the tag's made. Good hot tag for Eddie. Uppercuts and strikes. Takes Ming off his feet with a drop kick. Jericho comes back with a cross body. They do a double drop kick, uh, which sends Ming into Barbarian. Barbarian comes in. He gets drop kicked. They give him a double clothesline. Jericho's able to hit the line salt proper. Um, but uh, that gets broken up, and Eddie's on top of top rope, and out comes Dean Malico, who pushes him off and right into the big foot of Barbarian. That gets the win for the Faces of Fear. That's a receipt for Guerrero from what happened the previous night in the Cruiserweight title match between Dean and Six. And uh, so far, this is always one of my kind of sneaky favorite Nitro matches. Uh, that we've watched up to this time. It's eight, eight, nine minutes, just a ton of action, a ton of contrast, a ton of stuff I like. Um, mm -hmm. To me, it's like a, uh, a a compact version of the Rockers versus Ming and the Barbarian, Haku and the Barbarian from WrestleMania 7. Yep. It's the opener, uh, just with your baby faces flying around. And I thought everything with the storyline here was on point. I like the finish with Malenko now costing yeah. Eddie. So now that feud's really kind of ramped up. Um, and we see more of it coming up in hour number two. Um, so, yeah, th this is one of my favorite matches actually on TV that we've watched in the, this podcast. I went three and three quarters. I love this match. I think it's a, a great action-packed, uh, a lot of fun, and tells a compelling story, too. No, they have a good story. Eddie and Jericho are a fun team. We know it's gonna be short lived because Eddie's just got he's he's due for a change that's coming for sure. Um, and that plays out here. Face of Fear, great. The super belly to belly, like I said earlier, was awesome. Um, just a heavy strike offense. They always feel like they're just in control of what's going on. Uh, and it was super fun. I wanted more of it, honestly. Uh, Face of Fear offense was so good. Uh, the pinballing and selling was great. A lot of heavy blows. Um, you know. I like Jericho and Guerrero as like a loose partners, loose allies. Again, we know we're not going to see too much of it. Mm -hmm. And then we get the Malenko Eddie stuff hyperdrive. So I went three and a quarter, liked it a lot. Um, so it makes it a little hidden gem ski for us, yeah. which is cool. And uh, one to check out. Yeah, I think this is one of the ones that uh, you wouldn't know. So uh, to right. me, this is a real, real hidden gem. Um, right. Uh, kind of online. I mean, some of those uh, Eddie Benoit matches when we first started. Yeah, but, I mean it's Eddie and Benoit. So I, I th to me, this is like real true spirit of Hidden Gem. Like yep. you know, this on paper, you could have thought this would have been five minutes and like two and a half, and it over overachieves. 
Uh, we start hour number two. Tanae and Bobby are in the booth. Tanae says that NWO changes the question right when we think we know all the answers. Bobby says Hogan's a low-key man because he was out cold and he doesn't know where Sting stands, uh, but we do know where Savage stands right now. Yep. Um, and then we get some quick clips of the opener with uh, Mongo and Jarrett. Yep. Yep. Nothing else there. All right. Our opening match of hour number two looks good on paper, too. Ray Mysterio Jr. versus Juventud Guerrera. Tony says people were shocked Ray didn't come away with the belt last night, and that makes two of us. Uh, stare down from these two. Hoovy spikes Ray with an early DDT, hits a springboard drop kick into the ring. Uh, Bobby says, uh, sh shockingly great commentary from Bobby on this match, I'll just say. Bobby says that what he likes about the Luchadors is they have conditioning and youth on their side. Um, and, uh, they also talk about that they've adapted to the WCW side, uh, mm -hmm. style, but they've also retained some of their own too. So it makes them, you know, unique in that way. Uh, Hoobie's maintaining a lot of control here. It's a little bit slower place than I would imagine, but the psychology is kind of sound with both of them kind of interconnected together. Pace picks up as we head towards the finish with a big head scissors by Ray. Uh, Bobby says with Ray Mysterio, it's like wrestling a helicopter. Baseball slide head scissors to the outside. Hoovy catches Ray on the top, does a float over powerbomb, uh, then gets a baseball slide and goes uh, – for a springboard dive, it gets powerbomb, and then Ray's able to hit the springboard Rana that looks really great uh, to get the win. So so this was a compact version of these two together. I thought mm -hmm. this is kind of like the greatest hits floor version of these two. Yeah. Still very enjoyable. And, uh, now, this one went five or six minutes. I think I could have uh, had, you know, a couple more minutes fleshed out on this. Probably could have got rid of Morris versus Gomez and extended this. Oh, easily. Uh, yeah. That, that, that's, that's my one critique of this. But as a match, I mean, it was still good. I went three stars. Yeah, I went three as well. Um, it was definitely slower than usual, but like you said, they really um, worked a lot of their hits in. Hoovy took most of the match, which was interesting. A lot of praise on commentary, like you called out for them, the style that helps to get over. And and you nailed it. It was the baseline match of these two, a showcase match um, that was really about kind of, it was almost more about hyping the style and what they bring to WCW than more, even more than the guys um, on there. So mm -hmm. yeah, pretty good. Three stars for me. And it's, I mean, we talk about it endlessly, right? Like WCW just roll out Mysterio Guerrera yeah. for eight, eight or nine minutes or whatever and bang mm -hmm. a three-star match out on their show. And that seems like a, you know, a struggle for WF to get to at this time. So it's like they're just rolling it out in the middle of a random show. Yep. 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 Uh, next is our road report. Stagalese in Atlanta, 1-800-COLLECT report from Jocks and Jills. He hypes up next week's show in the Omni, says Atlanta's home to the Olympics, the NL champion Braves, not the World Series champion, the Red Hot Hawks, and WCW. Talks about Gone with the Weasel. He says, Scarlet Weasels can build a dream. Bobby says he thinks he'll be propping Lee up against the wall in 20 minutes and going through his pockets. Um, Tony then hypes up the upcoming Nitro locations, including Club Lavella, I believe he says. Um, and then the St. Patrick's Day night show in Savannah, home to one of the biggest St. Patrick's Day parades in the country. So some big episodes coming up. Stagali in the Omni. Any thoughts on this uh, report? What what a what a shameful botch of the uh, Gone with the Wind line here by yourself <laughs> from Stagger Lee. What, so, I, I I botched it. Well, yeah, frankly, my dear weasels can build a dam. He said Scarlet. Well, 
I wouldn't have come up with Scarlet on my own. So he said yeah. Scarlet. Scarlet, my dear, I don't give a damn. You know, is the famous. No, I know, but he didn't. He, he whatever he said Weasel. is what I wrote because I wouldn't have. Weasels can build a dam. He said that Weasels can build a dam. That's yeah. what he said. Yes, your Scarlet. Scarlet, Weasels, <laughs> my cadence. Come on. <sighs> I need you to. I need you to deliver the line with gusto. <laughs> uh, no, Scarlet, Weasels can. <laughs> Build a dam. Scarlet, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Um, Club Lavella was worse, the worst botch. Yeah, Club Lavella, tough, tough, <laughs> tough for Tony. Uh, but uh, the booking's very inspired here. Yeah, for their locations, because yeah, they're at they're at Nitro in Panama City, uh, right in the heart of Spring Break. Yep. and then Savannah. Um, you know, I I don't think it's pretty well known, but has a huge St. Patrick's. Yeah, thing. they talk about it a lot, uh, like on the hype to the show and at that. Show, like, it is a big deal that they focus on, which is cool. Yeah, so. they uh, they'll like they dye the river green. It's it's a, a it's one of the biggest St. Patrick's like locations um, in the U.S. Yeah, so that I mean that's three straight like hot spots. Like they're going home to the Omni, which is always cool. Yeah. Club Lavella, which is Club we, as we know is going to be awesome, and then Savannah St. Patrick's, right? And then, and then he mentions like Roanoke and a couple <laughs> places after that. Kind like, of mumbles those after hey, yeah. Roanoke and uh, yeah. all right. Uh, uh, we got uh, Goldberg Tanaka versus Prince Ikea next. So, of course, the music Sensei Patrick yeah. in the house. Yes, uh, steals from it. Uh, One of the icons of ECW. Right. Yeah, on this big ECW night, they yeah. roll out Sensei Pat. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think about that. Uh, Tanaka gets the early advantage. He sends IK down with a dragon screw leg whip. Um, I uh, Prince IK is kind of a heat suck here. Um, it, this is he's not, he's not the Teddy Long line for me. <laughs> well, this isn't a good spot for him because he's coming off of two exciting matches. And it's just clear that, like, of these matches we just seen, like, he can't yeah. keep up and maintain. No. So, Ikea gets caught with a power bomb. Uh, he he uh, comes back with a fallaway slam and then the springboard into the centaur backsplash. His top row crossbody to win looks good. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's not going anywhere fast. Um, it's not looking good for this title run. I want to start here. And today I thought he even had a line where, I, you know, he was trying to give, like, credence to Ikea because he says, like, you know, he's a product of the power plant. But then – the problem is Tanae also mentions that IK is 27 years old. <laughs> and he mentions like the match before that like raised like 22 and who's right. 21 or 22. And so, they're out there balling. Yeah, it's like these guys are five years younger and are just running circles around this guy. So not 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 a great yeah, he's like this is a success story for the power plant. Like, no, yeah, it really. is not. Um and since they back and go, like, you know, he's a TV title guy, ECW yeah. now here. Uh, if he, I mean, I'll be, I'm, jokes aside, like, if Tanaka can't carry you through, like, a five-minute TV match or whatever, you're good nothing. I, I mean, that, that should be as easy as it gets. Like, that guy knows what he's doing. He should be able to, to work a match like that and carry you through. Um, just, yeah, just whatever. And then even the high, oh, he took a stand at Super Brawl and the cheap, it is, I hate everything about him. Um, I guess I think he's terrible. I think he's terrible. I think the premise is terrible. It was a stupid move to try and, you know, mock the rock thing, Rocky thing. Uh, 
it should have been over twice already. Like, like yeah. It should have been done. This should have been a one-week thing just for shock. Ray or whatever should have beat him in Super Brawl. Like, instead, here we go. We keep going on. Um, Prince just isn't it. Like, it's just not it. Get it out of here. Yeah. Um, by, by the next week, yeah, he yeah. for sure should. Right. You should he see this and be like, all right, we got to put should it on Ray. Drop or Regal it in Atlanta. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So one star. The crowd is out on him. He's weak. Yep. Uh, next uh, match we've seen a few times, but it's always a pretty good one. Uh, Ultimo Dragon versus D. Malenko. The nameplate graphic still says Ultimate Dragon. <laughs> it does. Uh, I don't know when, when we're going finally get rid of that. Uh, we see some more stills from six. What did the Cruiserweight title? So we see like stills of every match. All night. Yeah. They, they kind of space them out. Uh, some good mat wrestling to start here. I thought this was a good contrast to the other matches, the good ones that we saw before that were more like action-packed. Like here we have some kind of neat submissions and mat right. wrestling. It, 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 it gave a good flow. It wasn't just the same thing. Uh, they do a handshake. Dean turns on him. Bobby calls him the Ultimo Dummy. <laughs> kind of funny life. Uh, Tony says Dean's getting more intense and showing more emotion than we ever seen from him. Big flurry of kicks from Ultimo. Dean punches him down, though, and sends him to the outside. Bobby says that's uh, Dean sending him a message. Ultimo gets sent to the guardrail. And Tony talks about that, you know, even with the mask, you can see the emotion on Ultimo's face. He's kind of stunned by Dean's actions here. Uh, Brainbuster back inside. Ultimo's able to take over and kind of grinds Dean down with some submissions. Uh, but Dean weathers the storm, comes back. They both go for an abdominal stretch. Dean gets sent to the outside. Uh, this is where uh, Dragon kind of botches a springboard drop kick, doesn't really make any contact at all, but then he hits a good baseball slide and a nice crossbody to recover from that. Uh, Tony says you can't find any action uh, better than these two cruiserweights right here. Back inside, Dragon hits a runner for two. Dean reverses in a pin attempt for two. Lama Heastra Cradle from Dragon gets a near fall. Handspring elbow gets reversed into a German suplex by Malenko. But instead of a cover, he goes for a choke. And uh, Ono gets on the apron, gets popped. And Dean comes back with the choke and won't break it, causing the DQ. Uh, I thought this was a really cool story of Dean not, you know, not caring anymore. Kind of snap. Tony says this is the first time he's lost control of his emotions. He's usually cool and collected, but not anymore. So we're seeing a different Dean Malenko here. I thought I thought it's good that they're showing that that you know he's wrestled differently. I, I that's that's one of my critiques really of modern wrestling now. Is a lot of right. times you have these big character changes and the wrestling inside the ropes is the same exact thing. So yeah, uh, th this has been kind of a slow burn but it's we've we've seen dean kind of edge up to this point and now here here he is where he's he's given up a big kind of contendership match uh just to choke a guy so i went three and a quarter here this match actually has some kind of banana ratings out there like Meltzer gave us four stars which is kind of crazy i mean but wow. he gave the, well he gave that opener at star k like four and a half Right, yeah, he was high on them. He, he, he really loves these guys. Um, but I, I thought this was another good match on this show. So now, now for me, we're at, at three good matches. Yeah. Uh, so a very high clip of good matches on this Nitro. Yeah. Um, Bobby gets a random Richie Valens reference <laughs> in there. Um, and Tony talks about how WCW should stick together. So he's like, yeah, Eddie cost Malenko, but you know what? He did what he thought he had to do to, to protect WCW. Um, a lot of hype for the encore. A lot of talk about Savage. Um, and the commentary was good, getting over Dean, being more aggressive, what it meant. So I thought this was a good match. I think Dean's intensity is a good addition. Um, but it led to a less smooth style, I thought, in the match. I thought the timing was off as a result. 
Um, they weren't as crisp as usual either. But still, this late in the night on a second-hour Nitro is good. The Cruiserweight division is tight. It got better um, as it went along and further the story. The one thing I'll say, I would have done this with someone else and mm. not Ultimo because I thought they actually made him look weak by being so shell-shocked that Dean was aggressive. Like, I know they know each other, but Ultimo is supposed to be one of the best wrestlers in the world, right? He had, like, the eight titles and everything else, and he can't adjust on the fly to a guy being aggressive in the ring. Like, like to me, that's... I don't know. Like, I thought it made him look kind of weak, and this gets choked out like a bitch. So, um, <laughs> Dragon's usually presented very strongly. Uh, this is one time where they didn't really... So, I went three stars. I liked it. I think this would have been better served with, like, a young guy. Okay. That doesn't really know, or maybe get Malenko the Ayukea match where Ayukea comes in with a game plan and Malenko completely blitz blitzes him and chokes him out and blows the TV title because he's so mad. Um, maybe that tells a little bit better of a story. And Ayukea, you can have, you can explain him being shell shocked by Malenko going crazy. To me, like it just made Dragon look kind of look kind of weak. That's all. I probably could have Dragon and Hoovy. Yeah, I think they wanted Dragon in the spot though, just because him and Dean had had the few matches that were no, I know. like very competitive. You know, like I just didn't like him. I like the idea of the guy getting caught off guard. I don't like it being Dragon getting off guard yeah. because again, he's supposed to be presented as as this like elite wrestler, and Dean like comes at him hard, and he's like all shocked. <laughs> like they're not friends, yeah. you know what I mean? Like why is he surprised? It's right. It's just a weird approach. Right. Uh, so Gene does an interview with Malenko. Gene says that Eddie tried to help him, uh, and you're blaming him. Dean says he's sick and tired of what's happening and the respect he hasn't gotten the last couple of weeks. He hasn't forgotten about six, and he'll get uh, what's coming to him at another place another time. Uh, but the last person he would think would steal the belt would be Eddie, and two can play that game. He isn't afraid of him, and he just doesn't care anymore. So good, good Malenko promo here. Yeah. Uh, Dave Taylor versus Diamond Dallas Page. Dave Taylor. Get late in the shank of the night here. Yes. Taylor gets a quick onslaught from DDP to start the crowd. Some big DDP chants. Uh, DDP hits an inverted atomic drop, calls for the cutter, and immediately the outsiders come out. We get our see ya from Bobby, of course. See ya. Uh, this is our first appearance of the night, which I think is interesting. Like they yeah. really held off on them to about an hour and 45 minutes into the show. Uh, which has not been the norm lately. Like we've seen them most yeah, times right arriving. Like yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so as they're coming to the ring, uh, Paige hits a cutter from kind of like a fireman's carry position. Uh, but he sees Hall and Nash, so he doesn't even really cover him. I want a half star for the match. Anything? No, half star for me too. Dave Taylor's got his pip outfit on <laughs> as usual. <laughs> it's crazy. We're only three weeks from uncensored too. It's a real tight turnaround uh, for that yeah. show. So they're they're hustling to try and build some stuff up. But yeah, it's just this was more angle. They could have done the same thing with Paige talking to Gene if they wanted to, mm-hmm. versus like him fighting poor Dave Taylor. Yep. Uh, so uh, the outsider circle of the ring, Nash takes off his watch, and Paige is kind of facing them opposite of the entrance way. Uh, Savage creeps down from behind. Tony says, "Will you look at this?" Uh, Savage sneaks in from behind, attacks Paige. Uh, he has a spray can in his hand. Uh, a fan. This is one of the all-time like fan moments where he yes. jumps in the ring. He uh, looks like he's wearing Polly Wal- Walnuts' uh, warm-up <laughs> suit here. <laughs> uh, gets into the ring, gets his ass beat. Like, Hall gives him one good shot, but then he kind of, like, scurries back, and we have this yeah. wild chase where you can see, like, security frantically trying to chase him back. So who knows if he escaped. Well, and Nash and Savage really go in on him, and Hall kind of saves yeah. him at the end. Like, he 
he hit him, but then he kind of almost backs him off. Shoves him out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so back at the ring, uh, Savage spray paints DDP's back. They kind of officially put the NWO shirt on Savage. And then uh, Savage gives them a pretty wicked elbow drop that uh, mm-hmm. looked pretty nasty as we had to break. Heel, so. one of my favorite parts of Heel Savage is the the elbow drop gets very vicious as his knees start to go and he gets a little bit bulkier. Like he really starts yeah. destroying people with this elbow drop. Like, yeah. There's a lot of good ones all through 97. Uh, so I thought this was a cool segment, though. I, li- I like this a lot. Yeah, it was uh, really well done. I mean, Paige has been building and building and building and building and bu- they've really built him up well. Um, and he had a little thing with the outsiders, but the outsiders have been busy with so much stuff. Like Savage is a good fit for the NWO. It's time for him to become an, an asshole heel. And him and Paige is like that is a big elevation feud for Paige. It's a great feud for Savage. This is like a really good matchup that they've lined up. Yeah, for both of them to really elevate in different ways. First time in like over a month we'd seen Paige kind of get his too. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when was like, like Savage has always been great. We loved him. We liked him in the Hogan feud. It just feels like forever since we've seen him, like he has been forever. So um, it's exciting to have him back and be this engaged and involved and now have him like in a setting up to what looks like it's going to be a very heated feud. Yeah. I mean, we talked about like with the, with the way this show, like our consistency, like this time last year was already right. Savage had been gone for a few weeks. So. You know, in, in real time of us watching these shows, like we hadn't seen Savage in like a year. So yeah. <laughs> even though it was a couple months, so it, it felt like a while. Uh, back from break, NWO still in the ring. We learned Paige got taken out on a gurney. And then uh, Hall is kind of our MC here. And uh, this, this kind of kickstarts a lot, I think, that we'll see coming up with Hall, where he says, welcome to, hey, yo, welcome to another edition of NWO Nitro, which he's never really said that, like, right. welcome, welcome to NWO Nitro. Uh, they introduce Savage, and Tony's just in disbelief on commentary. Hall says, the NWO doesn't stop there. We don't just give you one icon. The outsiders have hooked you up with another icon and make welcome, if you will, from Hollywood, California. This was a great line. The undisputed and <laughs> undefeated champion. And out comes Hogan, and he's strutting. And this is just like clown Hogan to me at his mm-hmm. best. He is like, you know, he's all alone. He comes out all alone, struts down the aisle, and is just gloating and Pretty hilarious. Hall gets a great line. He's like, the NWO was outstanding as always. It's super brawl. Yeah, yeah. Hall Hall wants a word with Hollywood. Hogan says, Hollywood and the NWO is on a roll, bruh. City of Sack loves to party. One icon looking at another. You should be justly rewarded, bruh. They have a present for Macho, so come on out. Out comes DiBiase, Bischoff, and Miss Elizabeth. Uh, they make mention that Elizabeth is smiling for the first time in months. Hall gives them the introduction as they get into the ring. Macho and Liz embrace. Macho says, sweet, <laughs> on the uh, microphone. And uh, Hall says, all is well with the NWO because when you're NWO, you're NWO for life. And Sacramento is NWO territory. I got some mixed reaction. Yeah, that you know, like Bobby tries to say, I don't think mm-hmm. so, but it's it's a mixed reaction. Yeah. Like there's some cheers, there's some booze. It's an interesting dynamic here. Um, and that ends the segment. Uh, Tony lets us know Luger and Giant will be coming out after the break, but but a really fun 
kind of NWA team celebration here. Um, I like that we didn't have the cronies in this segment. Yeah. So you had all the all the big boys here. Yeah, you don't need them hanging um, around right and now. Everybody was kind of gloating and clowning around. And that, and that makes sense from a hierarchical standpoint, too, you know, where these guys are going to get all the glory, yeah. too. So. Yeah, they just came off the main event. Okay. I mean, they're, they're celebrating. They retain the title. They get a new big gun. They beat the shit out of Paige. Like, yeah, they're all feeling it. Savage and Liz, like, do you like that Liz is suddenly happy? That I think's the weirdest thing. Um, only because we do have to retcon some stuff. Like, I mean, was she kidnapped in the first place? Like, what? I mean, that's the way it was kind of. Well, they had the contract, right? They, she had signed the contract. Hogan signed the contract. I mean, she was with Flair though before. Yeah, but they started to do the reunion stuff. I guess I don't know. Are they like? Playing yeah, that off, I mean, wasn't being the lead, sincere, uh, or she was being sincere in the week in the lead into Havoc. Yeah, yeah, they did that kind. It of seemed like she wanted to reconcile during that time. Yeah, yeah. and he so, was he was broken up about it. Like he kind of wanted to as well. Yeah, I, I guess it kind of works. Um, I think that vignette, if you remember back from the build to Halloween Havoc, that helps connect a lot of the tissue. Right. Um. It's interesting them two actually working together right now in real life with what was going on because they kind of, I mean, they were officially done, done and had yeah. been for a bit. Uh, so this is kind of like a, a moment in real life for them where kind of the, you know, everything sort of settled and they could be cordial with each other and right. work professionally. So that's interesting. It's worth it for that NWO scratch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, but but I liked it. I mean, I thought I thought it was good that you know it's like also they threw Savage a bone too. Yeah. You know, not only is he not blackballed, but they'll give you Liz too. Yeah, right. You get Liz back, and you know we get your back. Yeah, it was. I think it makes sense for why he joined. Um, yeah, I mean, he just was like, "Fuck it." No one came to my aid at Halloween Havoc. Like WCW blackballed me out, and no one returned my calls. No one helped me when I was getting banned from the arenas and everything else, and. Yep. These guys are willing to pay me and bring me in, and they got my girl, so fuck it. I'm in. Yep. Uh, so I've back... also always been an asshole, so there you go. It's not like it's crazy. It's like he's like a lifelong baby face, you know what I mean? Like Sting or something. I mean, it's yeah. this guy's like got a history of, you know, being manic and changing his mind. A little manic, point. yeah, right. Even right. as a face in WCW, he was always right. kind of on the edge of everything, so. Right. Uh, that uncensored ad with Hugh Morris quickly happens. Uh, back from break, Tony says they finally cleared the ring. We get the entrances for Harlem Heat versus John and Luger. Match rings, uh, the match bell rings, and immediately out is Bischoff. Tony says there's no question what's going on here, which I liked. Again, like mm -hmm. the announcers aren't dumb. Like he knows what's coming. It's not yeah, like, they, well, they said it even the night before. They're like, this is right. going to get fucked with. Tomorrow, right, right. right. Yeah. So uh, he's going to strip them for the belts. And then this is why I like like showing the contrast of the A NWO team in mm -hmm. the segment before, kind of in a glory hogging segment. Here, the entire NWO comes out, and I like that because there's numbers. Right. Like, there's Harlem Heat, there's Giant and Luger. So this is where they need numbers to make, you know, things go south. Like, they need all the bodies they can get to kind of throw at these guys. Um, so, so I thought that was cool. Uh, Eric says there's a little problem, but it's a simple one to fix. Those belts belong to these two gentlemen, pointing to the outsiders. You do not have a doctor's release. You actually used your cast right here, right now. I want them. 
And then uh, Luger lays out a big challenge here. He said you'd have to carry him out on a stretcher for him to just hand it over. He's tired of Eric's propaganda. And he will hand over the belt if at uncensored anything goes and all the belts are on the line. Pick your, you know, your best team. It'll be WCW versus NWO. Uh, kind of really showing like a big showdown that he wants right. a big kind of team battle. Uh, Eric says, you want it, you got it. And uh, Hall always has to have had something. So he tells Giant, I want your belt, you big goof. <laughs> want yours. Yeah. Uh, Hall says, we're easy to find because we're packing all the gold. Um, and then Al walks Sting with the bat. He steps into the ring. He's standing with his back to the NWO, but he's kind of in the middle of the ring. Mm -hmm. He then does a stare down with Hogan. Macho, this this camera angle was great. So you got Sting on one side, Hogan on one side. You can see Macho in the middle with his little like shake. <laughs> and then uh, Hogan gives Sting an embrace, hugs him. Sting's emotion doesn't change really at all. Uh, but after Hogan hugs him, Sting kind of turns back around and is like with the NWO side, but kind of on that side of things. Yeah. But, you know, very emotionless as we go off the air. Really great segment for me as we mm -hmm. go off the air. Sets a lot up for Uncensored. Really feels like Uncensored is a big, big show, big moment. Yeah. Um, I thought this was great. Loved it. Yeah, I like Bischoff smugly patting his shoulder, too. I love it. I love it. Um, the announcers are shook. My only negative takeaway is I think this is a real bad deal by Luger. Um, I guess he probably feels like he's going to get screwed no matter what, so may as well get something out of it. Um, but I don't know. I do feel like a little bit like it's a bad bad play by him to so easily hand the belts over for this match where you know they're going to get fucked. <laughs> like, you know the numbers are going to be against him anyway and uncensored. So it's not like he's, like, getting some kind of fair fight. Uh, that's the only thing I didn't like about it. I thought they should have put him in more of a compromising position a bit, maybe, versus what they did. You know, like, where he should have fought. A, he just gave up too too easy. Um, that was mm. weird. Uh, I, I thought it was very good, for sure. Um, you know, it's a good tease of Sting. Is he with Savage? Is he with uh, and the other way? Or is he back, you know, just kind of fucking with them? So it was definitely a good ending. It was a good follow-up episode to the pay-per-view. Good in-ring stuff. You know, limited on the stars for sure, but they filled it with the the good in ring action and then brought them out at the end. So, yep. And with two weeks to go, they needed a good a big show for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just not a lot of turnaround. So, right. No, you got this, and then you got the Omni and Savannah, and then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Lavella. Then we're in. Yeah. Um, all right, awards. Uh, I'm guessing we're agreement of Jericho and Guerrero versus Faces mm -hmm. of Fear. Uh, for the moment, I went with. I didn't go with the last angle. I know yeah, that's probably yours, I'm guessing. But I went I went the one before with them laying out DDP and, and reuniting Savage and Liz. I thought that was probably the most important of everything. Yeah, I did Hogan's hug of Steen. I yeah, thought yeah. that was best. Yeah. I gave Savage MVP. I, I thought it was kind of his night. Gets the big moment with Liz. He beats up DDP. And he really establishes who he is. They talk about him all night. So I feel like a good bounce, like, comeback episode for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm back and forth between him and Hogan, uh, but I can go with Savage, too. I think Hogan's really good in his emotion. Like, I think him hugging Sting is, like, a sneaky, like, 
you know, fake it till you make it that works right. for Hogan's persona. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's I'll keep doing it until he shows me otherwise. You know, like, let me just try it, brother. <laughs> uh, after he was so like goady coming out, so that right. was a cool like 10 minutes. He went from you know, being on top of the world to being scared, but yeah, Savage, great night for him too. All right, debuts. I just said Galaxy. Do we have anyone else? I think just Galaxy. Okay. Yep. Road report is Atlanta, and I went seven out of ten. Uh, there was a strong follow up to Super Brawl, um, the big angle at the end, or a couple weeks out from Uncensored, some good in ring stuff. Uh, so yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, this this is actually one of my favorite nitros we've watched so far. Um, I thought this had the in ring action, had uh, storyline development. Not a whole lot, just as a standalone show that didn't make sense. And uh, it set up a lot for Uncensored and that quick turnaround. Um, I mean, really, the only segment I thought was worthless was Mourners versus Gomez. I mean, I, I, the IKEA stuff, it sucks, but I see why that was on there. Um, so, so to me, Gomez versus um, Morris is the only absolute thing that could have just been completely cut. So I went 8.5. Like this, this is one, this is one of my favorite nitros because it has a really good match. Like I, I, the other stuff may have a little bit higher on the angle stuff, but hadn't had like a good match. This had three good matches, one really good match. And then I, I really like the angle stuff too. So I, I thought this was a great, great episode. Yeah. I think it makes sense. You're a little higher on, on every match. So it makes sense. Your rating was a little bit higher, but it was, it was a very good episode. It was a very good follow-up. Yeah. All right, let's head over to Raw from the same night. Two hours now as well. Opening animation. Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler welcome us inside the Manhattan Center. Very special night, as we'll find out. Most of the crew is overseas on the tour. Uh, so we have a skeleton crew here in the Manhattan Center. But we're going to be uh, re uh, reinforced by soldiers from Philadelphia as the night goes on. So we get right to our opener. It's the Godwins taking on the new Blackjacks. Vince says the Blackjacks made a big splash on Shotgun and Superstars. Of course, the Blackjacks are Bradshaw and Barry Windham, uh, which I think both guys needed something. I think mean, Bradshaw, we liked him for a bit there, but he really sputtered. Yeah. And Wyndham has been nothing since coming back as a stalker. So this at least gives him a little something to try. Once Zebekiah went away, Bradshaw yeah. was in trouble. Uh, yeah. Stalker was atrocious. So yeah. for so sure. This, it's a good turn for them. It brings back the name, which has a bunch of history in the WWF. So I think that's cool. And there's ties to it as well, right? So with Mulligan being Wyndham's dad and whatever. I'm surprised they didn't try and wreck on Lanza being like Bradshaw's uncle or something. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But um, we see a lot of ECW shirts peppering the crowd. Mixed reaction for the match. We trigger a brawl in, a, in and out of the ring. Henry press slams Wyndham in a nice spot. We get a loud Bradshaw sucks chant. This crowd is ready to go for sure um, here. It's funny, like ECW New York was big, I think, already by this point, but not as big as it gets. Like, I don't know if they're even in Queens too regularly just yet. Maybe a little bit, but um, but they, they were here. They were here already. Uh, so Vince says the Blackjacks debuted in a match against the, with, between the Godwins and Headbangers. There's also a big surprise to come later tonight. King says the morons from ECW will be here. Vince does say a lot of ECW fans are in the home of Raw. Bradshaw works over Phineas, wrecks him with a lariat. Phineas dodges an elbow, tags Hank, gets a near fall. Bradshaw slugs back. Vince says the Godwins know how to scuffle. Hank clubs Bradshaw back down. We go back and forth with strikes. Wyndham ties Hank up. From the apron, Bradshaw knocks him outside. We see Ken Shamrock, UFC fighter, in the crowd watching. King says they're old buddies. Wyndham keeps pounding Hank. Vince says we have a lot of celebrities on hand tonight. Hank breaks a Bradshaw sleeper with a back suplex. 
Phineas comes in hot, runs through both blackjacks. The crowd is not invested in this flurry. Phineas hooks a sleeper on Wyndham. Wyndham slips out with a jawbreaker. Bradshaw gets a hard lariat for the win, but Phineas's foot was on the rope, so another ref comes in and argues, but nothing changes. So Hank just slops the ref, and the blackjacks win. Um, a pure slugfest, all strikes. They kept it tight enough, but the crowd just wants ECW. Um, this live setting does not allow for any editing or protecting of these guys, um, and these fans were not into it. So this is where they could have benefited from a galaxy or from a from La Parca uh, out here for sure, right? Instead of starting with this. I get why they didn't start with ECW right away, because they wanted to kind of get in and get settled. But um, this match is a tough one. I, the way I would have done this, I just would have had to be a no contest and just brawled for like five minutes all around the building mm-hmm. and like start hot and show that the, the blackjacks are crazy brawlers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, go into the crowd, do whatever you're going to do. Uh, so this is fine. I do like the Blackjacks as an addition to the tag division. Like we need competent bodies for sure to bu- buff this up. So I, I think it's a good plan. Gives two wayward souls a, a chance. Godwins are the Godwins. I went two stars. Yeah, I went two stars too. Um, I, I, I liked it more than the crowd, <laughs> um, but I agree that the, the, this is an interesting crowd. To me, this is an interesting show to watch in retrospect because it's mm-hmm. like it's a hot crowd, but it's certainly a crowd that's like in business for themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. And mainly <laughs> ECW. So it's a very like meta crowd where it's like, you know, on a lot of stuff, there's heat, but is it the right kind of heat? And I mean, there's every like wrestling stereotype geek in the crowd, too. I think um, the, the only positive is Raw is always so dead. Yeah. It, that it even that just at least gives it some life, you know? Definitely but you're right. It feels different. Um, I did like Vince saying that there's a bunch of celebrities in a crowd. I mean, they do show Shamrock, but like, that's it. Like, Freeland fan. Vladimir and yeah. uh, Faith No More guy. Freeland's got the stopwatch. Yeah. So yeah. All, cool. of our, all of our. Our internet wrestling <laughs> fine stands in the crowd too. Oh, they yeah, showed yeah, yeah, one yeah. time. They showed him uh, coming back from a break. Um, I'd like to propose a trade that we've been talking about of the Blackjacks for the amazing French Canadians. I yeah. think that would have been a good trade for both guys. Uh, but uh, Wyndham certainly looks in a lot better physical shape than he yeah. was as a stalker. So I don't know if he cycled up or you know what what happened. But he's he been looked, feeling healthier, working regularly again, maybe picking yeah. up a little bit. Yeah, but as, as the match itself, it was it was a decent kind of slug fest. Um, it started to get long with the chants and whatnot, and then they kind of wrapped it up uh, quickly before it got too egregious. And then the finish with the ref getting slopped was whatever. Um, so too. Stupid. I'm just glad they didn't overturn it or like do some kind of stupid nonsense finish. At least well, our debut to the Blackjack, so we'll get to it, but they don't they do not do too great with debuts and the finishes on the show. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, there's one that's way worse coming up, and I would have flipped a couple of the teams in there. Um, we'll talk about it. So, uh, Vince says, there's a partisan crowd tonight as ECW fans are jam-packing the Manhattan Center. Suddenly, the Eliminators show up, Perry Saturn and John Cronus. They destroy a ring attendant with total elimination. That gets a big pop. Paul Heyman shows up and riles up the fans and says, your challenge is accepted. ECW is in the house. The crowd wakes up with a big ECW chant. Vince says, King's answer has been challenged. Watches that. Uh, I liked it. It's a quick, quick strike debut. Like it's chaotic. It's not planned. The eliminators like, and Paul, you could feel like they were probably waiting backstage for that fucking match to end. And we're like, screw it. Let's go. Um, 
And that gets the crowd just riled way up. So I, I thought that was a good introduction to what ECW was going to bring to this show. Um, you know, as a kid watching this, like I wasn't exposed to a ton of ECW and I was excited about it. Like it was, it was crazy. It felt, again, it felt live for the first time in forever on Raw. It's like, okay, like shit's happening finally. What are we doing? Where's this been? Yeah, I thought uh, King's facial expressions are really good here where he looks disgusted, but not yeah. in a, a, a cartoony way. Right. So I, I think that gives some good depth to everything. And, you know, as someone who's watched the whole feud over the last couple of years on the ECW side, definitely adds some some of this to it to me as well. Like if you've watched how that plays out with King being down in Philly and how that all goes. So, um, all right. We go right back to the ring. It's our first ECW showcase match. Heyman does the introductions. We have big Stevie Cool, Stevie Richards, taking on little Guido. Uh, King mocks Guido. Vince promises this will be different here tonight. Uh, the Blue World Order is out in mass. There's Big Stevie Cool, Hollywood Nova, and the Blue Guy. I think was uh, 7-Eleven with them as well or no? Yeah, 7-Eleven's out there. No, that is, isn't that Feinstein? I thought he was 7-Eleven. Maybe. Maybe he goes in the crowd was, after. Well, maybe. I always thought he was 7-Eleven because he wasn't either a tape guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was. Yeah. Um, they don't have uh they didn't have the worm with them though, right? <laughs> no. Um, Rod the bud. Uh, so BWO get a rowdy reaction. They do their full routine. Oh uh, yeah, this is, yeah. This, right? this would have been fine. Steve. Yeah, okay. yeah, I thought so. Okay. Yeah, um, there's a guy in the crowd. Just like it could have been me. He went out there. He might have went out after and sat in the crowd. Okay. But he's. I thought he was Seven Eleven. Yeah, yeah, he's out there for sure. Um. All right, so we get a rowdy reaction. They're doing the full routine. This is peak of the powers of the BWO as well. Like, this is their hottest time. Yeah. We're about to get Stevie main event guy going into barely legal and all that. So um, this is definitely, like, they're super over at this overall at this point. King says they're a freak show. Uh, Stevie grabs the mic, says we're taking over. Vince chuckles. It's like, Vince, is, this is like a, like, look at these cute little kids to Vince. He's like, oh, <laughs> we're taking over. Yeah. Uh, Paul joins commentary. hypes up the BWO and ECW. Guido jumps the bell, knocks Meany outside. He works over Stevie. Vince asks Heyman, "What is the BWO about?" Paul thanks him for having them. Shits on King. He explains what the BWO is all about. Stevie's working over Guido. King says it's just another ECW ripoff. And Heyman, with an amazing retort, says, "What are we ripping off?" Daring him to say the New World Order, but he knows like they're not really there yet for that, right? Um, Vince though gets a great dig where he says we don't want to confuse them with the clothing line the NWO uh, which as a kid I thought there was really a clothing line NWO I didn't realize like it was him just making a joke that all they do is like pump shirts out or whatever so mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty good line from Vince uh, Raven shows up in the aisle uh, he gets a pop Paul explains who Raven is I wish I wish King would have made a Johnny Polo joke. Like, good to see Johnny Polo back in the Manhattan Center. Just something like that would have been funny if he would have went there with that. Right. Uh, we don't get anything. Vince calls Stevie Stevie Ray, uh, which is funny. Uh, Paul says Vince impresses him as an announcer. If the WF doesn't work out, he can have a job with ECW. King says, yeah, ECW needs an announcer, so good dig at Joey. We get a Goldust inset promo. Just generic comments about himself. Um, we lose them as always. Uh, Vince asked him another question, more technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Unbelievable. <laughs> Your favorite. Your favorite. Um, like, I love that they use the ECW. It's such a Vince thing. It's in every ECW match. They do inset promos with all these fucking guys about these matches tonight from the dirty side. It's so great. It's such a Vince dig. Uh, Paul says he has something nice to say about Goldust. He doesn't care if he's hetero, homo, or bisexual. If Marlena comes along, he would go home with him too. Goldust is back. 
Val's Marlita will be here to do her job, and he'll watch her against a lunatic man or woman, whatever that is. Guido and Stevie go back and forth. King says he wants to see something extreme. This has been a match. Stevie finishes with a powerbomb and a Stevie kick as Vince hypes up what we have here tonight. Uh, fine little showcase. The real story is uh, everything going around. Uh, Vince is pumping up La Femme Nikita. Uh, you know, again, it's chaotic. It's different. And as we go to break, is another great line. Vince says, this crowd is partisan. And Paul just goes, partisan, as we're fading out, uh, which is great. So I went two and a quarter. The match is fine, but it's all about the spectacle. It's all about the commentary. Raven in the aisle. They're just trying to get everything ECW in front of you to hype this pay-per-view. Um, so it's, I, I thought it was, it was well done. We know Heyman's a great marketer. He takes advantage of every inch of television that he's given during this episode. Yeah, I went two and a quarter for the match. I thought it was it was a fine match. I agree that it's more about everything else. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, my my one critique, and I think I mean you had to have Waller make some good points, and him talking about like when something extreme's gonna happen makes sense. Right. And the match itself wasn't the focal point, um, but I did think like. I was thinking, like, it's somebody that's cold, you know, that's not that familiar with ECW right. because it stands for Extreme Championship Wrestling. To see this solid match, yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I think they kind of wanted to pump up. I mean, they're definitely trying to pump Stevie up. This is yeah. his biggest push of his career is right now. Um, and Guido's always kind of like that mechanic guy that right. they tried to put in. Um, but just as a match itself, uh, it, it to me, it wasn't like dynamic enough as it kind of needed to be, probably. Well, um, and that's the one thing. We don't get a lot of that from them. And I think it was just a Vince USA thing. Like, we don't get anything truly that violent. We get some weapon stuff later, but it's not much, which is why I think they had the Eliminators murder that guy. Yeah. Was to, like, show that out of the gate, at least. Like, that they're, they'll do whatever and kill a ring attendant with a great move. Yeah, I think a spot fest like that might have been just something that doesn't. Because yeah. to me, this looked. I mean, Stevie has size, but I mean, Stevie's like the same size as La Parka, and it's like, well, I mean, they're not really differentiating themselves yeah. in that regard. Uh, I did like Lawler saying uh, when uh, Meanie says say hello to the bad guy, and then he gets attacked. Uh, King says say hello to the fat guy. Uh, <laughs> Um, the stuff with Goldust was a little weird, um, you know, but it was what it was. Uh, yeah, two and a quarter, a lot. I mean, just a lot going on. It's a it's this segment, but a, a, a multitude of stuff happening. Probably would have liked more Raven too. Right. This is the yeah, only yeah, yeah. They don't really use him at all in this show. He's and that's he just it. comes out uh, yeah. easy, and there's night. no funk either, like at all the no whole funk. night. Um, so maybe he refused, but the. Uh, I think I think Heyman's the sell more than the match, right? So I think if you didn't have him on commentary, this definitely wouldn't have hit. But I think the live crowd knows it. So like they don't care as much about the live crowd. So I think for at home, you're really just supposed to get enveloped by Heyman hyping the shit out of it. Yeah, Heyman right? helps for sure. Um, is it, this is, it's just interesting yeah. to think about. All right, Sonny's backstage. She has an arm wrestling contest coming up. Honky Tonk Man comes out, your favorite. Uh, the show is moving a lot quicker. I'll say that. Way less dead space. 
it's it's not slow. Like we got a lot going on, so that's good. After a break, Honky sets up the big wrestling uh, arm wrestling challenge. He says he is a special guest referee. Out comes Sunny to a big pop. Vince says she's the queen of cyberspace, which she was. Uh, Sunny mimics ravishing Rick Rude and says, "Cut the music." She shits on the fans and disrobes. So I thought that was funny because Rick Rude was in ECW this time, kind of doing that whole thing. I, I, I think he had the did he have the mask off by now? I don't know if he did, but. He was doing the pretty much doing the gimmick, so I thought that was a funny little touch for those on the inside. Uh, King and Vince are very horny about this, rightfully so. Sunny is stacked here. (laughs) Marlena comes out; she gets a nice pop. She's clearly banged up. She's selling the attack from the mystery woman. Sunny gets the mic, talks about Marlena getting beaten up and sent to the hospital, uh, and offers Marlena a chance to forfeit. Honky boxes Sunny, get on the table, uh, which maybe I was dying. It was so unnecessarily aggressive by Honky. He's like, come on, Sunny, get on the table. Marlena says, Sunny, uh, stop working 40 seconds long enough to show up. Vince deadpans. Well, actually, Vince was on fire on the they show. cleaned it up. He's actually, I think they've cleaned that area up. I mean, the timing was amazing. It was so deadpan. It was great. Uh, Marlena says she doesn't feel well, but she would have gotten off her deathbed before she'd forfeit to Sunny. Honky runs down the rules. Still very aggressive. Like He's narrating everything, yelling at them. Uh, we get the first lockup. Sonny pulls back and stalls. Honky says he's getting thirsty. Let's get moving. They lock up again. Sonny bails. We briefly get color bars. Another technical issue. Uh, Sonny does push-ups. Honky's barking at her to get going. Uh, they lock up, and this time Elena pulls away. Honky threatens to DQ her. We lock back up, and they're dead even. Honky's rooting on Sonny, uh, pulling for her hard. She almost wins. Marlena rallies back just as Marlena's about to win. Uh, Sonny throws powder in her face. Some fan heals you fucking bitch. Uh, Salvio comes out. He tries to stalk Marlena, but Goldust makes a save and cleans out. And uh, we go right into our next match, which we'll talk about in a minute. I was, I, I enjoyed this only because I think Sonny's really good as like this shit stirrer. That part I liked. Honky was Honky just killed me. What do you yell at her? Get on the table. Um, and Vince, I thought was funny. It's a little bit too long. We didn't need the three stalls. Um, the match that we're about to get is a lot worse than this segment. So I, would, I wouldn't have minded this going on. Uh, it's sad because we're kind of getting to the stretch of Sunny where she's just not doing anything. Um, but she was a good talker and a good heel. Like, it just sucks. I couldn't find anything for her. Yeah, I think uh, as we start sunsetting on Sunny and her real peak run, I still think they really didn't do they her that. justice. Um um yeah this this was this was too long um i mean you're really here to see sunny in her outfit and that's good but this is a eight minute segment honky is yelling at them and well uh, and it's another thing that could have been ecw time like if you wanted to give them an extra match i know they don't really want to but um, i mean i really at this point i don't see the problem with like Sonny saying she's the most beautiful woman in wrestling and Beulah coming out there and yeah, yeah, something like them that. rolling around. Like that would have been electric and doesn't necessarily have to go to anything. Right, or Francine, anything. whatever, whoever you want yeah, to do. Yeah, whatever. Well, they could have played it too. She says, I'm the queen of cyberspace, I'm the queen of everything. And right. Out, I'm not, well, you're not the queen of extreme, whatever. Right. Um, and Broadway. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, think this, of that. That could have been. This good. was just uh I mean it's too drawn out. It was yeah, what yeah. it was, but yeah. Sonny looked ridiculous though. <laughs> Um, very good it's such a waste of talent i mean uh, just a way like not even just her looks like again i think she was a great talker she got the business like she hasn't really gotten drugged out yet like she's really on point here we talked about it i don't know why she's not in the booth like i think she would have been a great color yeah in the right role she probably could have 
revolutionized either yeah. the managerial role or the commentary role. Yeah. Uh, one one of those the, to where like it you know going forward we look back on that whereas yeah, no, she knew her shit. It's just I mean she's kind of strictly remembered as a you know a sex symbol. When she yeah, was. I mean when she goes to ECW like the next year she's like the biggest star they have. <laughs> like like she like stands out as how polished she is and like you could feel like it feels big time when she goes there. So it, it's a big miss. I mean, Carmen's real good. Yeah, she does like nothing in '97. I mean, nothing. We'll see it. She's just like bops around with no role. It's fucked up. Uh, all right, we go right to our next match, which is Goldust and Savio Vega. Right out of the Heyman book, weave into the match from the segment. Um, we're in it after the break. Savio has all black gear on now, uh, so he's eschewed the multicolored top. Uh, he's in control. He's clubbing away. PG-13, Crush, and the Nation support staff have all arrived. Sonny's still at ringside, too. Uh, Miguel Perez is in the booth. Uh, he says he doesn't know what happened to Savio. He's no longer proud in his actions. Savio gets two on a sidewalk slam, goes to a nerve hold. Vince asks, what do the people of Puerto Rico think about Savio? And Miguel just rambles about how the support has faded due to this change. Vince says, can you send a message in Spanish to the Puerto Rican fans? We'll have to ask our buddy El Barico what he said, but uh, he does he does do that. Savio ambles um, through his usual offense. Vince runs down some upcoming shows, Alexandria, Louisiana, Tyler, Texas, home to Tyler Chicken, I believe was the name in Seinfeld, uh, Buffalo, Cleveland, and Springfield, Massachusetts. King shits on ECW some more. Goldust rallies his comeback. Vince says Raw will be live in Worcester two weeks from tonight. And he kind of peppers it in. He's like, we'll be live in the war zone two weeks in Worcester. Doesn't really say much more than that. Savio goes back to the nerve hold. He's slowing this way down. Goldust gets a crossbody for two. Savio gets a spin heel kick. Perez only talks when Vince prompts him. And all he keeps saying is, I can't believe it. He let his people down. <laughs> he must say that like 15 times in this match. <laughs> Savio goes back to a chin lock. He kicks and slugs away. And whenever they show him, he's just doing this. <laughs> like that's all he does. All Very time. disappointing. Yeah. Uh, he slugs away. Goldust comes back with the DDT. Vince calls back to Sonny being the one who brought Farouk to the WF as she's cheering on the nation. Goldust, and why not put her with the nation? Then, like, just do something. Give her something. I mean, it looked like they were confused here because she yeah. stays at ringside. I understand, right. like, with the Marlena stuff, yeah, but it's yeah. like you got a million nation members. Right. And then you got yeah. Sonny, too. It's it, weird. No Clarence Mason. That's okay. Goldust gets his knees up on a splash. He rallies back with a flurry. We keep checking on a shamrock. Who he looks the same every time they show him. He's like, yeah, he he doesn't look too too. <laughs> He's just got that shamrock look on his face the whole time with the little. Yeah, yeah I don't know. They they cut to him way too much. Too. It's like, well, they got all the celebrities in the crowd, but they only yeah. show the one the whole time. Right. This this match is kind of boring. Um. So, yeah, Savio crotches Goldust on top. Goldust punches and headbutts. He kisses him. Uh, he falls back. Goldust comes off the top, blocks a kick attempt in an awkward spot. Crush trips Goldust. Uh, he rolls outside and slugs him. Back in the ring, Savio nicks him with a spin heel kick. Crush comes in for the DQ. And the nation beats him down. Miguel Perez saves. Uh, really boring. There's a couple of decent spots in there somewhere. Uh, way too long plotting for the obvious and weak finish. Goldust face turn has not helped in any way in the ring for him. He has still been boring. Uh, Will's case for him being in the top 50s <laughs> plummeted by the week. Uh, same for Savio. Savio, yeah. yeah Savio gets hyped up and it's yeah, just yeah. like... He's been is, bad. Perez was terrible in commentary. Uh, I gave it a star and a half just for the strikes, but beyond that, there's really nothing cooking here. And yeah. it's long. A star and a quarter for me. Um, yeah. The only... 
things I'll add is uh, at one point Sonny's pounding on the mat and Jerry, this is one of the few like biggest like horn dog king moments we've had so far where Jerry's like, woohoo, when <laughs> she's like pounded on the mat. Um, and then Perez, even in his save, like initially he gets thrown right out of the way, <laughs> like immediately. He back. Not a strong debut for old Miguel. I'm like, oh boy. Um, um, would you, you know, I, I, I know watching the show, it was obvious, but talking yeah, about yeah. it's even worse. Like the finishes on this show are atrocious. Bad, like, bad. like this one's bad. Like this is literally like Savio hits a bad looking spinning back kick and then just crush gets in the ring, causing the DQ. It wasn't even like, you know, gold us hit the curtain call. Like this right. is. All right, well, let me just go in and do the DQ. They should have just had Perez cause the DQ. Like the nation keeps fucking with Goldust, and Perez finally just comes in and, and cleans house or something. I mean, yeah. that would have at least been some. But yeah, the finishes here, the, the big one coming up is real bad. This um, is a bad match. Yeah. Uh, Vin, yeah. And both guys have been super disappointing. Yep. Vince reminds us next week's Raw be from Berlin, and the WF European Championship will be involved. So more changes there. We get a Raw flashback from June 19th, 1993. Tiny Tim. Pays a visit to the King's Court. Pretty infamous segment. Tiptoeing yeah. through the tulips. The King heads to ringside to chat to his buddy, Ken Shamrock. Says, ABC Network said you're the world's most dangerous man. And he hypes up UFC. King says they're old friends. Ken gets a nice ovation. Uh, King talks about teaching Ken the martial arts he used to become UFC champion. And Ken just makes his little confused face. Uh King uh, asked Ken to talk about the workouts they went through. Ken says, he does, you're a liar. I don't know you. You're a liar. Uh, King asked why Ken is trying to embarrass him. I, I thought this was funny, but I, I didn't like this as a way to introduce Shamrock. Yeah. Like, and we know this isn't just a random celebrity in the crowd. Like, this is a guy. They, that, they just had signed him. Right. So he's there. So it's not like, yeah. oh, we're just talking to a celeb and no. the King is riffing with him. Like, this to me made Shamrock look kind of like a dope. And I know they, they do it. They go back to him later, but um, yeah. I don't know. There's better ways to set up like a guy that's going to be like a top guy for you. Yeah. Now this is, um, I mean, Shamrock looks like he's about to take an Olin Mills family portrait <laughs> after this match with his outfit. So that's, yeah. that's yeah. part of the problem. But, but, you know, King to me does so good as the antagonist for the ECW mm-hmm. stuff. And with this, like, side angle that they thrust yeah. on in this show too much it, and, it, and it's like well what you know what did he think was going to happen like right. did he think like shamrock or like even yeah. if he said like i mean he might could have said like well shamrock's so dumb he thought he or you know i don't i don't know. say my dad my dad hooked you up or, or jerry yeah. Jarrett, or something give me something uh, there's like nothing that what did he think was going to happen when right. he starts talking about like hey when i showed you this and that like it, yeah. it, it didn't make sense so. I mean, if you want to have him say that on commentary, that's fine. But don't have him then say it. Yeah, I mean, he literally goes up with a microphone to the guy, I guess, hoping yeah. that he'll just go along with him and say, yeah. King had way too much going on. Just do the one interview with Todd or whoever and, and be done with it. Yeah. Um, all right. We get an ad for the Slammy Awards on March 21st at 11 p.m. on USA. After the break, uh, Paul Heyman is back. He's sitting on the railing. He says, this show has sucked without ECW, and he hasn't been wrong. Uh, and he introduces our next match, which is Taz taking on Mikey Whipwreck. 
Mikey's in the ring. He outs and out comes Taz. He's got Fonzie. He's got Team Taz. We got War Machine. A uh, really good reaction to the ECW fans. And this looks cool. Like he's got the entourage. Team Taz looks awesome with the flag. Um, so that looks really cool. And the small building really pops as well. Which again, I'll give him credit for the foresight. We know when ECW sometimes gets on that bigger stage, it doesn't look as big. So I thought doing it in the Manhattan Center with them made sense because it's a tiny building where they stand out and the crowd, like it was a smart place to do it. Not even a smart city to do it, a smart place to do it, um, which I like. Yeah. So uh, Mikey tries to wrestle Taz. Taz controls on the mat. King says, is this extreme? The extreme wrestling Paul's always trying to showcase. Paul dares Lawler to wrestle Taz and show off his amateur credentials. King makes a short joke about Taz, and Paul says, that's ridiculous coming from a man that's five foot ten and was on top of a territory for 76 years. King says, Paul calling this extreme wrestling is ridiculous. They should have set fans on fire, hit someone with a barbed wire back, because that's what they usually do. And Paul says, yeah, we'll save that for the pay-per-view. Paul calls a task Northern Lights suplex, and then he apologizes to Vince for stepping on his call. I'm sorry. I know you would have called that move, uh, which is fantastic. Vince says it's okay. Oh, that's okay. Um, King says he didn't ask Paul to come run his mouth. Taz hits a release salto. Farouk and the nation, we get an instant promo for them. Mikey tries to make a comeback. Taz stomps his ass, beats him down. Sabu shows up on the raw letters in the aisle. He dives into Team Taz. Of course, sadly, he slipped instead of diving, so he kind of just falls off into them. They all catch him. Uh, Paul is screaming, it's Sabu! Sabu grabs Fonzie. Taz throws Mikey into them with a belly-to-belly over the top. He almost botches that, too. He kind of can't get him up and over. Taz finishes with a head and arm Taz plex and the Taz mission. Paul says even Ken Shamrock fears the Tazplex. Vince, that's the first thing he really disagrees with with Paul. He's like, well, I disagree with that. Uh, a pretty, another good showcase. Taz empties the arsenal. You know, Mikey was a good choice because you knew he could bump, even though it's a tough showing for him. Um, but he makes Taz look good. Uh, the the botch on the over-the-top and, and poor Sabu falling off the ladders didn't quite work out. Uh, but again, you got to have Taz and Sabu out there. They're the build to belly legal, but you can't really have them touch because that's been part of this whole thing. So you got to have them both out there without really getting too confrontational. So I went two and a half. There was just a Taz showcase. Paul was great on commentary again. Um, Vince continuing the deadpan. Yeah, I was, I was interested to rewatch this. I think this is one that's better in concept and, yeah. and memory than in execution. Like you always remember the uh, photo of Sabu diving yeah. off the raw letters. Um, you kind of forget, like, he slips. Well, first he misses his cue because the, the people are looking at the aisle. So I don't know if he came out and then climbed or what happened. But everybody knows who it is. And then there's like 15 seconds that pass. And then Paul screeches at Sabu. Uh, then the camera angle for the dive initially was awful. They do get a yeah. better camera angle in the break where you can see him straight on coming off, and that looks better. Uh, I think Mikey was kind of hurt here. Yeah. Uh, so so he's a little banged up. Like I, to me, to me, the best thing about this match was was Heyman on commentary. Mm-hmm. Heyman's great uh, showing the variety of moves that Taz had, and this yeah. I think is where like the uh, and and you know it, you talked about it with three way dance, and it was so true with Taz. Like Taz had such an aura to him that you know even when he came in, like you know up up to yeah. when he came into WWF in two thousand, like people would be like, I mean. <laughs> He was so over that in late 98, like you would get in conversation with your friends and people would be like Goldberg versus Austin versus Taz. Like that yeah, wasn't yeah. that yeah. 
crazy to talk about. No, he had a big fight feel. Everything he did, um, everything felt like a spectacle. Which is so amazing, like that they got him over to that degree, uh-huh. and he's good on the character work. But um, I thought like the way Heyman talked about the different suplexes and all that, and then the Taz mission did show that uniqueness that I was missing right. in the first. So, so again, like I think Heyman really helps overcome a lot of the qualms I have, but the execution. Um, you got to remember, too, like these guys probably aren't too used to being live either. Yeah, They've yeah. never had a live pay-per-view, never had live TV. So so some of the cues and stuff like that, probably a little bit of jitters, too. Um, so starting three quarters, uh, I thought it was fine for what they did. But Taz versus Sabu is the biggest match heading into that pay-per-view. Yeah, so they needed um, to showcase. They had to showcase that Heyman this, on this segment really talks about like the April 13th date. He pushes that on pay-per-view, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so you had to do something with them. I thought what they came up for them uh, wasn't bad. It just didn't come off kind of, right. you know, like going into this show, re-watching, I was like, this will probably be my highlight, and I don't think it necessarily is. Um, the Northern Lights call was great. <laughs> I'm that sorry to step on your toes. He said, sorry. Yeah. When he <laughs> said, like, I know you would have called that move, Mr. McMahon. Uh, Lawler did have a great one. He was talking about how short Taz was. He says, Taz is so small, he buys an ant farm as a second home, which was, you know, it was tough, but a, a funny one. All right. Back to the ring we go. The headbangers come out. Vince says, it's time for our big surprise. Call a friend because. Uh, what a rush. The Legion of Doom is back. They get a big pop. Biggest of the night by far, actually. Even even with the ECW fans, they still marked out for the old, old uh, hex drag pop. Uh, the Heat is back in the tag division. I love this pickup. I think it was a good pickup for them. They needed star power desperately. Tag team and a tag team that can go up a level if they need them to, as we'll see. Yeah. So I think this is a really, even if they're washed, who cares? Like They needed names and star power. Um, so I think it's a really good pickup for them to, to build the tag division. Yeah. On that night, I don't think it's super clear when they come out, though, if they're back or if it's like a one-night surprise for the fans. I think at the end, you can kind of see they're probably back because of the way mm-hmm. they do the finish. but mm-hmm. Or maybe not, right? Because they don't win. You kind of think, okay, maybe they're just showcasing the headbangers and then they're gone. But um, yeah. uh, the headbangers bail out. LOD kind of soak in the moment. Animal batters Mosh off the bell. LOD take turns laying in heavy strikes. The headbangers double team. Hawk swats it off and gets back to work. We get a loud Nitro sucks chant. King asks, what are they chanting? And Vince says, well, it is New York City and there's no censorship in the WWF. You know, fans can bring their posters and share uh, their thoughts. So Always. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's how it is always going to be. Animal crushes Mosh with a powerbomb. Thrasher saves. King name drops some hot bands. He name drops the butthole surfers, uh, which is kind of crazy to hear King bring those up. Yeah. Uh, Vince tries to keep up. We get a Bischoff sucks chant. Hawk nails Mosh with a dropkick. Hawk hits a full body scissors and a suplex. Mosh slugs back. Hawk no sells some strikes and loads more as neither Mosh nor Thrasher can get anything going. Hawk misses a charge. He bangs into the post. We take a break. We come back. The headbangers are working over Hawk with some double team offense. Animal gets a tag. Things break down. They all start brawling and we get a double count out. Uh, during this, Vince randomly mentions that Shawn Michaels is home watching Raw. He says both him and Mark Merrow have bad knees and are undergoing therapy, but Merrow may need surgery. So both guys are on the, on the mend. Uh, LOD hit Mosh with the Doomsday device for a pop after. After. So this is a good reminder of the LOD. They showcased all their stuff. The headbangers took it well, but the finish is stupid. Like mm-hmm. the LOD needs to come out and just fucking destroy someone. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they even put the headbangers in here. Like just mm-hmm. put a couple of job guys in. Like we didn't need anyone else. Just let 
put in whoever the fuck. Hardy and let LED, yeah, the Hardy Boys, you know, Teal Hopper and Sal Sincere, like whoever. Like let them just destroy someone um, and let them just look awesome. Like, you know, it went long too. Like it didn't need to be that long. Yep. I know they had to fill this card out. I know they're short on talent. Just give yep. ECW another match. They got a million yep. fucking guys on the roster. Make this LOD squashing two jobbers and looking great. Or just do another headbangers tag with, with someone else if you want to really have the headbangers out there. So the other option is put the Godwins here and do headbangers blackjacks and do have them do a double DQ and have LOD beat the Godwins. You could have done that. But I think LOD needed uh, needed a, a squash win, not a long match where they're going 50-50 yep. with the headbangers. Yep. So I went two and a half because I, I like the moment and the and the aftermath, but the structure just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I go two stars. I love the moment. Um, it's a great reaction if they'd uh, came in and dominated and done like one of their, uh, you know, WCW Saturday night style squashes right. against. That's why I say like the Hardy Boys, like they're tailor made to really yeah, like yeah. bump around. Um, you know, I, I think that's great. Like, you know, four, th three, four minutes tops, just them dominating yeah. the vents, yelling, they're back, you know, and ready to roll through the WWF tag division, blah, blah, blah. I mean, amazing. Um, and would have kept the crowd. The crowd just gets progressively more out on the match and kind of goes into business for themselves with the Nitro yeah. sucks, Hogan sucks, Bischoff sucks chance. Um, the, uh, the, uh, match going through a break, I thought was crazy. And then the double count, I mean, it's just an yeah. awful finish. I, I can't, I can't see any justification. Like the, no. the headbangers had been protected some, but like, they're not, I'll give you another they, option. That they, they were losing, they were losing to furnace and LaFon a month right. before on Saturday, shotgun Saturday night. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Vin, uh, when King says the butthole surfer, because <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> they could have done, they could have done the Sisters of Love, because they didn't really ever acknowledge that they're the same as the Headbangers. So they could have stuck them in, the, and they're, they're back in New York where Shotgun was for that day. Like, just have them come out with Brother Love, and LOD destroys all three of them. Like, you could have yeah. done that too if you didn't want to bring Jobbers in. Um, and if that's a quick squash, then you could do the Headbangers versus Furnace and the Fawn rematch if you want. I mean, they're. They're in New York. There's other, I mean, they could have had anybody like you could probably like Christian York and Joey Matthews. Right. There's a million guys. You know, I mean, anybody like not the, the worst thing they could have done is how they booked this. Like, yeah. like putting them 50 50 for this big debut is probably the worst decision. And I think they only did it because I think they only did it because of the, the card needing to be filled out. So then yeah. it had to be oh. somewhere else to fill it. But they had they were so light on the roster because of the tour. You dragged out the arm wrestling. You're dragging this out. Savio Goldos was forever. And I don't mind them keeping the ECW tight because it did make it better. But I think you could have given them a fourth segment in here and just balanced it that way. Yeah, I mean, you probably could have had Sabu come back out and he faces somebody. Yeah, yeah somebody. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, they they weren't going to use Douglas, um, so right. he's kind of out, I guess. But uh, but yeah, I mean, even like because you don't see Ray. I mean, you could have done a Raven squash. You could have done a Sabu squash. You could have right. done something more, maybe with Sam. I mean, there's options. Um, yeah, we weren't going to do the gangsters, probably. Probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who else on that bill. I mean, they didn't. They didn't weren't going to bring the Michinoko Pro guys. No, I mean that would have actually been the best. But yeah, they, were they weren't going to do that. that. Mm -hmm. I mean, who else? I mean, RVD had just debuted pretty much. I mean, that's somebody that could have though. Like, no, he was around ninety six. You could have done RVD. Yeah, Lance Storm. Mm -hmm. You could have had them come out. I think. I think an RVD. 
you know, that'd have been great. That, that's what I would have done. Yeah, why not give him a five minute squash? You know. Yeah. I have RVD versus Chetty or JT Smith or something. Yeah. <laughs> like you could have done that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say that you could have done the pit bulls. You could have done storm. You could have done RVD. Um, Chetty and Smith were out there. Spicoli was around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could have done him, have him get killed, have Sabu kill Spicoli or something. So, all right. We get an updated Shawn Michaels. Tell me a live video. Um, some new, new content. <laughs> they revised it yeah. from 95. Uh, we then got our final ECW match of the night. It is, Devon Dudley taking on Tommy Dreamer. You know we were going to get Tommy. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul intros it. Devon and Sign Guy are in the ring. Devon has a chair. Dreamer socks out. He's got Beulah. Uh, Vince asks, <laughs> King asks Vince, have you ever heard of Devon Dudley? Uh, we get a quick lockup. King says Paul should thank him for the chance to plug his pay-per-view. And that more people tonight are seeing ECW than have seen it combined in ECW's history. Paul says the only man to thank are the Quijones of the man sitting next to you. Not you, Jerry Lawler. We head outside. Tommy's grabbing weapons from the fans. He's beating on Dudley. Vince tries to name the weapons. Uh, he's been great as a straight man all through the show. I think he was fantastic on this night. Uh, Vince says he needs to draw lines tonight. He hopes things don't get out of hand. Paul says, I hope they do. Tommy suplexes Devon on the floor, drop kicks the steps into him. Tommy puts the steps in the ring. Devon throws him into them. Paul says, the court gesture can never be extreme. King says he wrestled for 20 years, and he's never been ashamed of it. The mayor of Memphis saw him at the airport this morning and offered to be his tag team partner. But after watching this crap, he is embarrassed. The whole time King is ranting, Paul's just talking over him. Uh, and then tells King, make me shut up if you want. We cut to them. They're escalating across Vince. Vince is in the middle. He's got his little glasses on. Paul says they'll never be associated with ECW, uh, meaning King. Vince says to chill out. It's our last extreme match of the night. Paul calls King a freaking clown. As Devon misses a dive, he lands on a chair. Tommy pile drives him. King says that Paul's a jock sniffer. He never wrestled. And Paul says you'd sniff King. He'd sniff King's jock, but he's afraid King would like it. Paul's ready to snap. Vince cools him down. Devon pulls Beulah into the ring. She hits a low blow. Tommy DDT's Devon on the chair to win. Um, during the finish, we get an Undertaker inset promo. Just oh. Completely disrespecting this. It's just <laughs> during the finish. Literally. Awful timing. Uh, Bubba Ray Dudley comes in. They hit a 3D, but Sandman is on the scene. He's another guy that could have had a match. Yeah. Sandman comes out. He cleans house with a chair. And Kane, Vince says, who? As he, Paul says, this is Sandman. Uh, the match was whatever. Yeah. All a backdrop to, to Heyman and King arguing. Um, the post-match is good. Paul's peacocking around. Um, it's wild to see Sandman and Dreamer standing tall on Raw. Uh, so I went two and a quarter. We'll get to the post-match in a second here. Um, but it's just pure chaos. Like, King and, and Heyman have been escalating, escalating, and escalating all night long. And it finally blows up here in the main event. Yeah, I went two and a quarter, too. I thought this felt the most, like, ECW. Yeah. Of the stuff we saw, so I, I thought that was good with the the weapon shots. Uh, Devon's bumping really hard off everything, like he he's flying around on yeah, every yeah. single bump uh, off the weapons. And uh, Vince saying like, "Oh, we don't really need things to get out of control." Kind of was good. Like I mean, it, you know, there wasn't nothing that crazy really, but just um, I guess with what it is. Uh, it, do you think they could have maybe pushed the envelope a little more as far as the violence on what they did? Maybe. I think Vince probably didn't want like, like no went, tables were broken. I think they we, just went we, two hours. Like they're this is around the time USA is like paying for them to expand. Like yeah. they got a big relationship building going on, so maybe he didn't want to take a risk, probably of like yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of balance. But I do that. like Paul saying like we're gonna save it for pay per view, cover some of that, right? Fine. Yeah, yeah. It know? does. It does. It's, it does seem 
always get a little bit like I don't know. You know, like if if the if the alternative is always talking about like oh pay us to see the real it's, right, it's yeah, yeah. a little shoddy, but yeah, I mean uh, it was always. But I, I I liked the match for what it was two and a quarter. It yeah, it hurt them to not have a guy like nine one one at this time either. Like he could have came out and killed someone, but I guess they did that with the eliminators. Um, <clears throat> one thing they could have done to stretch time, if you make the LOD thing quicker, you could have Dreamer versus Devon for like three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. Bubba comes in, Sandman comes out, and then do the typical ECW where they make it into a tag match, and mm-hmm. now you stretch it out a little bit more because you kind of let Sandman get some showcase. Yeah, and you make it, you make it a um, tag, and now you eat up another five or six minutes, right? So yeah, I think that's a good idea. He could have done that if he didn't want to really add too much other stuff. Right. All right, Heyman gets one more plug in for barely legal. King is pushing on him, pushing on him. Paul says, Vince McMahon, you have more quijones than anyone ever gives you credit for. King tells him to take a hike. They both stand up. Paul has enough. He dives. He fakes leaving, and then he turns and dives over Vince um, to go at King. The ECW locker room pours out. They kind of get between them. Vince is getting pulled into the fray. Uh, just a really hot finish and a unique night and angle. And I think there's an argument to be made this should have ended the show. But yeah. I get why they wanted to end with their big guys and just kind of keep this as like a sideshow act. Uh, but I think this would have been a really w- hot way to go off the air with this big pull-apart brawl pure chaos and then we just we're out um so maybe you come back for the brawl maybe we do take her farouk then Heyman comes back out and say vince we want to give Heyman one more minute to plug barely legal then him and king start arguing and you end with the pull apart yeah i guess um it's it's live so they can't really be reactionary right and we didn't mention it we should have mentioned it at the top but we uh you know obviously if you listen to all this we went away from our format of bouncing back and forth just because we think this uh gives us a better opportunity to kind of hone in on each promotion and give it its justice yeah Uh, but if you look at the time of when this pull apart happens is right before probably the nwo stuff happens right so it's kind of like a cool you know like oh this is the hottest thing on that happens on Raw. Now let's move over to Nitro. But I mean, I don't think they would have known that. But um, no, but they could have. I think if you have Heyman come back at the end, you could tease it as a hook to keep people there because you can say yeah. this is our last extreme match. But we're gonna hear once more from Paul Heyman before the show ends. Um, you know, whatever, probably dangerously, whatever. Like one more time before the show's over. Right. So then you you kind of keep people engaged. Um, because what's he gonna do? And then, like I said, you you just do that pull apart at the end. Yeah, it's a great pull part with like them surfing the announce table. Yes, and yes. in the middle of it, it's uh, it's pretty. Yeah. Vince is kind of like the damsel in distress. <laughs> he, he was great on the show. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah, uh, if Heyman wasn't so good, I would say Vince is the MVP. But like, I mean, Heyman's obviously iconic on this episode. Yeah. Um, all right, Vince and King regroup after the break. Vince says, "You instigated all this," and King says, "They can come back anytime, and I'll knock Paul out." Mm-hmm. Uh, we get very long highlights here. Again, yes. filling time. Ross, uh, highlights of last week's title match. At least it's a big thing to show, so I'll give him whatever. It's Sid beating Bret Hart for the title. Uh, the post-match exclusive from Superstars where Hitman was raging backstage. Ross and Vince confirmed that Undertaker will take on Sid, and Bret Hart will face Steve Austin in a no-holds-barred match at WrestleMania 13. Uh, Vince also reminds us that Farouk has issued a challenge to Ahmed Johnson for WrestleMania. Ahmed is currently in Germany on the tour, but they're sure he'll accept. Um, so I like this because it's a big night. You've got some eyes on you. They hype up three big matches for Mania here with an announcement of Undertaker, Sid, Austin Hart, and 
uh, Farouk and Ahmed. Yeah, I mean, it's finally, we're finally here, like yeah. four, four weeks away or five weeks away. So feels like a, you know, a, a convoluted road to get to our top two Mania matches, but here we are. Yeah, I like it. Uh, top hand goes out. He's back with Ken Shamrock. Uh, he says he's standing on his toes and digging all the action. Ken yeah. introduces his wife, Tina. Oh. He says she has laryngitis. Todd makes her say hi, even with laryngitis. Uh, Ken's dad, Bob, is also in the house. Uh, all we needed was Rick Steiner's uh, or the Steiner's mom and sister oh. here. Rob and Scott. Uh, uh, he says Ken's digging. Uh, Bob's digging the action, too. Yeah. Uh, hypes up Ken. Todd asks for a WrestleMania pick. Shamrock says it's a toss-up. Uh, Taker has more technique and balance. Uh, Todd says Austin and Brett are a submission match at WrestleMania. So earlier, Vince said no holds barred. Todd yeah. says submission match. Yeah. Uh, and says Brett has great technique, but Austin has no quit and he can't pick the winner. Todd asks the crowd, and the crowd is pro Austin, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Not a mm-hmm. surprise, I guess, with this crowd. But mm-hmm. um, so this, again, they make Shamrock look like a nerd. Uh, the King <laughs> stuff was goofy. There's way better ways to introduce, like, one of the baddest fucking humans in the world you know like this dude is literally like one of the most guys who could probably murder you like in a fighting combat situation and they make him look like a goof you know mr family man too yeah it was weird it's like it's like this dude should be you know should just be out there like kicking ass and yeah they get him they might as well play ricky steamboat's family man theme (laughs) is ricky steamboat the dragon Pettingale Pet shoving the microphone in front of Tina's face was terrible. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like Pillman. <laughs> yeah, she did sound like Pillman. Bob, uh, Dad Bob gives off uh, Cowboy Senior vibes to me with him talking yes, about yes. a lot of great action tonight. And all this just uh, uh, hype hyping it up. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess they wanted to have. Shamrock debut here as a splash for this episode along with right. Legion of Doom. But it makes so much more sense to have it happen during like a Austin Brett contract signing and you know them saying like you know I know some issues something and then it's like yeah. he comes out for emphasis. So this, this it, is- just anything was better than this. Like just have him say, Yeah, you know what? On combat trained, this is these guys are awesome. Any of them could hang in the UFC. Um, Austin's great. Bret Hart's a badass. Like this, they could as simple as that. Like you know, like mm-hmm. I can't wait for more. I can't wait for WrestleMania. Like that's all we needed. Like that's you didn't need more than that. Yeah, him putting over Taker's technique seemed like a pretty. He big made him seem out to lunch. Like he doesn't watch. You know, like it was just stupid. <laughs> all right, main event time. The Undertaker's here, not on the tour, which was interesting. They kept him here. Yeah, he's always huge in Europe. Too. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Farouk is also here. PG thirteen wrapped up Farouk. <laughs> The Nation and Farouk are out. He mean mugs Shamrock and Todd. Uh, Farouk cuts the music. He grabs the mic. He mocks uh, Ultimate Fighting. Um, calls it cat fighting. F, uh, F. Farouk says uh, Shamrock is in the WWF now. He should step in the ring and prove he's a man. So, like, they didn't really say he signed. And then Farouk basically says it. Like, it's odd. The whole thing is weird. Uh, Vince enough. is done with the bullshit. He says, that's enough. Uh, he tries to plug LaFemme Uh Shamrock says, Farouk can't fight one-on-one. He's got his goons with him. Farouk's got two left feet. And if Vince wants to put it on the line again, another reference to Vince being the owner, he'll step in the ring with Farouk anytime. Vince quickly hand waves that. We go to commercial. He's at, he's at a loss today. Everyone's going off on their own on this show. Um, just a mess. After the break, Taker makes his entrance to a pop. King oh. points out a sign. Uh, big pop. 
Uh, one of the longest taker entries. They're filling so it's much time. Literally like five minutes. I mean, this is an hour. episode that could have stood to be an hour. On yeah. like, like if there was oh, any, yeah. they should have went back to an hour for one night. Oh, yeah. Do the three ECW matches, LOD's return, and a quick yeah. taker appearance, and you're good. You didn't need anything yep. more than that. Yep. Like you would have been fine. Um, King points out a sign that says extreme chicken wimps in the crowd. He says they'll never return. <laughs> Farouk bails and stalls. Taker chases him back inside. It's a flying clothesline. Hits the accent off the top. Taker, he's beating on Farouk. He bails out again. Taker drags him back in. Farouk gets a back elbow. He takes over. Vince notes that Jim Ross's dad passed away. That's why he's not here on Raw tonight. And actually, sorry circumstances for JR, but I actually think it was good that he wasn't in the booth tonight. I think it would have been too much with him and Heyman and King and Vince. Like Vince was so good as a straight man. We didn't need JR's like pouting and bitchiness because you know, him and Heyman mm-hmm. always argue. Like, I think it would have been overkill to have them all four of them in the booth uh, the whole time. So it kind of worked out. Uh, Taker comes back. We get talk about Germany. King's cracking jokes. Rook spikes Taker down by his hair. One of the nation henchmen yanked Taker down. They stomp away. Uh, we get a full metal rewind during the break. It's uh, Legion of Doom's Doomsday device on the headbangers. When we return, Farouk is taking out Taker's knee. The nation is swarming. Uh, Taker battles back again. Farouk again takes out the knee. We saw that nation did attack him during the break. Taker counters a backdrop with a rocker dropper. Farouk recovers, takes out the leg, bangs it off the post. The fans are singing the nation theme, where they say nation of masturbation. This crowd is off the hook. Uh, Vince has probably had it. Taker dodges a charge. Vince tells King to settle down. We don't want the extreme contingent to return. Farouk goes to a chin lock. We're grinding along. Taker escapes, heats up. The nation member pulls down the rope again. Taker tumbles to the floor. Farouk is out too. Taker kicks the stairs back at him. Throws Farouk inside, dips his head. Farouk, it's a pile driver. Taker gets up and no sells it. And of course, in comes Savio and Crush for the DQ. Legion of Doom come out for the save and a pop, and we quickly fade out. Uh, this is whatever. It's what you expect from Farouk. Slow and plodding. Taker's trying to evolve his style. He is trying to up his pace a little bit. Uh, but matches like this do not let him open the throttle. The crowd was good. They were into Taker. Um, you know, he's marching to his biggest match in a while with Sid. Uh, so whatever. It's just a brawl. LOD saving was a cool touch to hype them that they'll be involved with the nation. So I went two stars for the match. There's better ways to structure the show. Again, um, you could have done, I'm not advocating ever for a taker versus crush match, but like a quick five minute taker beat down a crush. And then the nation comes in after he pins him, and then LOD. So instead of our like fifth DQ finish of the night, uh, we could at least got one pin. Um, but everyone apparently needs to be protected. It's like a 1989 superstars or something, but like you're protecting every single fucking guy in the roster here. So, yeah, I, uh, watched the show for between the sheets when I did it a couple years ago. I absolutely <laughs> hated this match. I, uh, liked it a little better this time. I went from one star to one and a half, but, uh, but it, it's still, it's still bad. And I, I can't fathom them looking at this and I know there's changes, but to go back to this for a pay-per-view main event a few months from now was yeah i mean that really wasn't the plan but no but anything yeah um i mean farouk's just not a good wrestler like he's not good on top like he's he's blown up in this match um when he gets on control it's it's rough a chin lock makes no sense at that stage in the match and then um the filling time and then the you know taker no sells the pile driver and we get a cheap dq the only clean finish i think we had on this show was taz yeah, uh, yeah. Tapping out Mikey. Um, so so just ton of DQs, double count outs. The Guido, I guess Stevie beating Guido. So so non ECW stuff is a rough, right. really rough finishes for the WWF stuff. Um, 
yeah, yeah star and a half. Not the the ending with the uh, LOD coming in is okay. Like that's good. Yeah, yeah well, uh, it already elevates them up. Very, very, very brief though. I mean, it's just so too- again, like like I said in the open, um, instead of a match, just do a taker interview. It comes out. He's talking about Sid. Um, the nation comes down to surround the ring because they're like, we're here, you know. They talk mm-hmm. some shit to Shamrock. They go and they attack Taker. Shamrock maybe comes out of the stands and like kind of knuckles up. LOD comes out. We just get like a, a fight. Like maybe that, you know, is a better way to fill the time. Honestly, right. I wouldn't have been against them just showing Brett and Sid from the week before in full. Like, I think you could have done that too in the in the show and been just as good for those that might have missed it. Um, there's there's a million things they could have done to to fill this time better than they did. Yeah. Sure. They're lucky for ECW. ECW could save them, oh, <laughs> save them on the show. Yeah, and I think they knew it. I think they knew it. That's why they yeah. did it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it gives the show a hook that does yeah. it. Makes it unique. It makes it memorable. Up. Everyone remembers this episode. And unless you watch the whole thing, you probably think it was awesome, right? And it was great for the parts that were great, but they definitely did not take advantage. It reminds me somewhat of my grade's going to be higher than this, but the Hall debut. Like, Man. it was such a big moment, and the rest of the episode was like nothing around it. Yeah, quit um, stealing my thunder. I have that same note for my rating. We do too many podcasts. All right. Uh, match of the night. I, I went LOD headbangers, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm i kind of at a loss on what to pick. So I ended up, I think, going Stevie Guida. Uh, moment. Like. Moment's tough. It seems crazy because there's so much good ECW stuff and that's the memorable. But I gave it to LOD. Like their pop and their return meant more to the promotion than the ECW stuff for the rest of the year um it's a big get for them to get like two big names in the crowd goes crazy doing it in this tiny arena helped too because the crowd couldn't help themselves but be pumped um so i think i'll give some ecw awards in a minute but i think lod to me was like the best moment that stood out yeah i did lod's uh entrance yeah because i i mean that crowd really i mean this is a crowd that thought they were you know they were definitely smart and smart yeah. and they, but they couldn't help but mark and out they couldn't that. help yeah. themselves so that yeah. was a cool that was a that's cool how you moment. know it hits was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> not, not too cool yeah. um but speaking of coolness i do think this helped wf look a little cool because the crowd ecw crowd generally is more anti-wcw than anti-wf right yep. even when they do the feud it's like the juice is there for a little bit but it's more anti-king than anti-wf yep. um so all the chants against wcw are more for ECW and the WF, but it makes WF look kind of cool that these fans are all ripping Bischoff shit on WCW. Um, they have the cool underground promotion on their TV. It's the first time they've looked cool in a long time against NWO, which always looks cool. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, it was a calculated risk, especially with some of the matches WWF threw out there. But, um, and I don't know if they had confidence or not, but. They kind of get saved, I think, a little bit where when the crowd gets anxious, they turn against WCW instead right. of saying, like, this match is yeah, I mean, yeah. they, they could have very right. easily been yeah, like, you know, these guys suck or, you know, booing Savio or for, I mean, they, there's matches they could have turned on and they didn't. Yeah. They used that to go against yeah. WWF's direct competition. So it, it helps. It's the coolest they've looked in forever. No doubt. <laughs> Probably since the last time they were in the Manhattan Center. <laughs> uh, yeah, Probably yeah. the coolest they've looked as a promotion. <laughs> Maybe even before that. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, all right. MVP, I went with Vince, Heyman, and, and King. I mean, they drove yeah. the whole show. At first, I had Heyman and King, but I'm like, you know, Vince was just as good as all of them. Like, he, his straight line, straight man routine was great. He had some really funny one liners in there. 
Uh, him, like, as the exasperated guy trying to keep the peace at the end was good. Um, King was great uh, in his role. And then Heyman was just iconic on this whole night. Yeah, I go Heyman. I mean, this is an opportunity that he knew he had to showcase uh, his guys and present them. Um, and, you know, even though I see some of it as hollow and he's, you know, overextension on some of the stuff and the hype, it's, I mean, he's the, ultimate, he had he's the ultimate promoter. So you, you see that shining through. And I think it's on the list of like best individual commentary performances probably at least in dodf I, I would say it's up there i mean it, he's fantastic yeah i mean it's not my type of like commentary but uh for what he probably for like his his goal going in i think he, he maximized most of it yeah. yeah he needed that um all right uh shots fired we had the nwo clothing line we had king calling out nitro sucks uh <laughs> chant we had vince saying they don't have censorship here so this is the first time we had like really maybe since billionaire ted where we had like wf shots fired and no nitro shots fired so it was interesting wcw's been quiet on the shots fired since bischoff is out of the booth yeah we haven't had many uh piper you know we'll pepper some in but uh, as we'll see uh all right um debuts stevie richards blue oh. meanie nova 7-eleven raven eliminators miguel perez devon baba sign guy Beulah, Taz, Fonzie, Ken Shamrock, Legion of Doom, Mikey Whipwreck, and Sabu. I think I got them all. Okay. Uh, and final grade, I ended up going 7 out of 10. Um, I'll be honest, that's, it's low for me than what I thought. Like, when I put this on, I was thinking we were going to get 9, 9.5, like all-time raw um, because of the ECW stuff. And I remembered the LOD moment. But they really – the rest of the show was it was was dreadful. I mean, I mean like, they really yeah. carried it. They're lucky, unlike the Hall thing that the whole thing was like five minutes. ECW is a, a good chunk of this episode. So it carries it. Plus the LOD pop is a lot. So they have a lot of good and then some bad versus like a ton of bad and one little good. Yeah. It's a, this is a tough show for me to rank because I think if you look at my spreadsheet ratings, like it feels generous. Right. I, I go six out of 10. So I think on spreadsheet wise, like it feels generous going six out of 10 because I had nothing above two and a quarter in a two hour show. Like, no, I didn't think any match was close to being good. If you look at it from an impact, like this is such a memorable show, like everybody knows and more then it seems low, like a six rating. Um, but, but I, I think it's a show that um, it's, it's fun to reflect on, but I do, I do hold it in that hall nitro bucket where you kind of remember the moments and there may be certain moments that still hold the test of time. And certainly hall did that, but right. there's still a lot around it that, um execution wise that's that's lacking um so so wwf it's like they're not stagnant they're moving forward it's still like when they don't have their major players yeah you know they're 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 still right they go with the show could have been i know i don't know if they do the ecw stuff if there's no tour but if they had austin sid brett Foley. Yeah. Like, I mean, this could have been like one of the most juiced up Raws ever if you have the ECW stuff you, plus all that. Foley is somebody we didn't talk about, and right. he's kind of in no man's land right now. Yeah. And he's really someone that they could have easily put versus... Sa I mean, you could have done Foley versus Sandman and said, right. we're going to do a one-off. And even if they have like 
you know, a smudge finish. Right. Like that's that's something they could they probably should have or you could have done that fully taker brawl that we had a couple weeks ago. Yeah. As to the cap this off, right. you know, and yeah, like, that would have been hot here. There was options here. Yeah. Um I think yeah, it's just the the best thing is like they're not in a state of stagnation. Like there's no, we're moving. It's exciting. Sure. Stuff is happening. Yeah. This um, show flew it's not like fairly good. Other than some of the couple of the matches, the, the segment to segment flow was really good. Like yes, those matches sucked and were slow because they had to fill time. But when they were bouncing from thing to thing, it was like really well done. Like you weren't there wasn't any lag between things. Right. Um, all right, so let's get to uh, our combo awards. So we're kind of tough. I mean, I, I think I had Raw. Uh, what actually, I think I had them equal. That I'm both. I had them both seven. So I guess we'll go Nitro based on your yeah. aggregate. Um, I think Nitro's sneaky good. I mean, if yeah. you look at these shows, you think, oh, okay. I, I mean, I think if you watch that Nitro, you're like, oh, there's good action and there's right. good ankles. I think it. I mean, anyone probably coming into this would probably think it's crazy. Like if we told them ahead of time that um, Nitro is going to beat this Raw, so. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd say the same about the yeah. Hall, the one, though, which is right. even, probably yeah, more of, of an upset in retrospect, yeah. All right, best match uh, is obviously Guerrero. Guerrero Jericho versus Face of yeah. Fear. Easy. Best moment is an interesting one. So we kind of were split across the board on this. We got LOD return. We got some ECW stuff in there. I had Savage and Liz. You had the um, Hogan stuff right at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Um I would say, like, as far as 1997 is concerned, uh, we probably should either go with, well, I mean, Sting Hogan, obviously, will be big, too. I'd say either Sting Hogan, Savage. I mean, because the LOD is a great moment. Right. But it's very quick. Um, So I think that's, I think we either go with the WCW stuff or we actually go off the board and say the ending ECW. ECW Yeah, yeah. Because I think my only quibble with, Sting and that stuff is like we we just see it a million times. Like it, it was great, but like Sting in the ring with the NWO, what side is he on? Like, like it's just it's something we see a bunch. We've seen it. We're gonna see it more. Um, Savage and Liz reuniting is a unique moment. So like I I kind of give that a nod. But I, I think I like the ending ECW brawl. I think that's like that really stands out. It's such a different moment. Um, it's something you're not gonna see again. So I, I think to me that that was like the thing. Okay. Um. Okay. Uh, better commentary to me was raw all day. I mean, Heyman is just like Nitro was fine on this on this night. They were good, but I, I think Heyman. I mean, King and Vince were good too, but I think Heyman puts them over the top. Uh yeah. I mean, I think that's very close. Actually, I I I I think you liked Vince more. I mean, Vince I thought was fine, but was yeah, good. I'm fine. All right, star of the night. So you went Hogan. I had yeah. gone Savage. Um. Who did you go for Raw? Did you go with the comp- with Heyman? Heyman. I think it's Heyman. I mean, I think. To me, no one got more done on yeah, than Heyman. But now I'm thinking we may want to retcon the moment. I mean, I do think we should split moment and star. I, I think these are two good shows to go back and forth. So you want to go Heyman, star of the night, and then Savage, Savage. Liz? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I, I think can, that's I good. Um, because that does... Again, the Savage Liz moment at least sets up the feud with DDP. What's to come? Oh, I mean, that's a yeah. feud throughout '97 yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, ratings winner Nitro. Yeah, ratings is uh, fun though because I think the ECW stuff helps. So it's uh, two point five for Raw, um, which 
um, you know, they had a 2.6 on the February 3rd, the the uh, Sky Dome one. Right. Uh, but besides that one, this is the highest raw rating since. Oh God, let me look. Eleven, eleven, ninety-six. So it's one of the higher raw ratings. Yeah, yeah. The uh, and, and then uh, uh, Nitro is a three, solid three, which is uh, again like they're they've been. It's it's lower than it usually is. It's it's up point one from last week, which was really low. So so they're in a they're in a tad bit of a dip here. Yeah. Um. So they still win by like point five. Winter doldrums. I mean, they did have you know football for a while, but not anymore. Um. All right. So that commentary win for DODF was the first raw win. You want to take a guess? No, I'm sure it's been months. It's actually the the only other win was Rumble '97. Uh, on pay-per-view. Before well, that. Yeah, I mean, sold out was so bad. So, yeah. It's been a while. Well, November 25th. Oh, I missed that one. I was looking at August. August 19th was the last one before that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The Night of the Spy Series was good with the... Uh... The change in the yeah. format. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, like, like if... if uh, I mean, It's only uh, the second... Not, not kind of pay-per-view. It's only the second Raw win since August. So, <laughs> the, the Nitro commentary is blown out of the water. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it for this episode. It was a fun one. I was looking forward to this one. We'll be back in two weeks with the March 3rd Raw Nitro. So it's the, it's the Nitro from the Omni um, and then the Raw from Berlin, which is a very interesting episode of Raw for sure. Um, the Nitro is interesting too. It's, it's got an all time uh, potential bad on there. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. But. Uh, Raw from Berlin is also very interesting, but has a big main event, obviously. So we'll capture that. Before you know, we'll be almost into WrestleMania. Again, thank you for your support all year long here on this podcast, Wrestling Warzone, as well as the North-South Connection. Be sure to subscribe. I didn't mention off the top of this show, as always, simulcast both video and audio, video on YouTube, audio on any podcast app. So you can subscribe to both. Don't miss a thing. Follow us on social media. Smell the napalm. We are out.